The best damn league show period is brought to you by eSports Bet. And what is eSports Bet? If you said the industry's leading crypto odds matrix, then you've heard me say it enough times. So you've probably also heard me mention that for first-time depositors, they can get 50% on up to 200 USDT. But we have an alternative if that doesn't quite tickle your fancy. What about if for your first ever wager, if you lost it, then up to 100 USDT, they'll forgive it and give you the 100 USDT back or up to that amount. Now, actually, you can get this anyway, up to 30 on your first one if you just contact the mods and say you want to take advantage of this offer. But if you contact the mods on the eSports Bet Discord, discord.gg slash eSports Bet, then say that IOE Insight and eSports sent you, they'll give you up to 100 USDT back on the first bet. And by the if you don't lose the first bet, then why would you need it back? Spoiler, just enjoy the winnings. Now let's enjoy a beautiful show of League of Legends talking about LEC. Right, this is going to be another episode of the Best Damn League Show, period. Obviously, for this one, we have a guest, because if you haven't noticed, I try to spread it out a little bit, especially for this one, since there are only three matches, well, to discuss at least, there's two to be played, obviously. In this scenario, we don't want to just retread the same topic. So as our guest, we've got Neon here from Misfits, who obviously sadly was eliminated recently. But whatever, still got further than everyone expected. Also, spoiler, you did used to play for Schalke and SK. Like, you wouldn't even be on these shows. Jokers, you'd be watching with the rest of us, wouldn't you? Like, life is getting better in general. I mean, listen, I don't know if you know this, Neon, but things have gone so well for you this split, mate. Cadrill had you like third in MVP voting. She's like, fuck it, all right. Yeah, okay. I love so, you must, Yeah, he must be really good friends with you, I guess. Fuck you. Know, well, I, <laughs> okay. You must have given him a good, few good carries in the US or something. What's going on with that? Third for actually, MVP. All right. Fuck actually, you know. I mean, I did duo Cadrill to rank one when he could rank one. I duoed him. I still, I still have this memory. The game that pushed him to rank one, I like stole Nash with like Kaisa W. So yeah, I, I can't. Oh, I can it's just imprinted in his bias. brain. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, he just yeah. knows. Like <laughs> Leon's the man to rely on. He can get, basically you can make miracles happen. You carried him to rank one, so he knows that you are a true <laughs> carry. Exactly. True, I thought it was just all true. the team fights that he carried, but but he just carried Cadrill. So what's your name, Dracos? But anyway, the episode's begun. That's right. That was just a parting shot. He's not on this hey, episode. Just, so don't worry just about flame Dracos for no yeah, reason. Don't worry about just start the episode. I mean, I have a good reason. His entire personality, all the things he says, how annoying okay, he is, Jesus. the fact that he's dressed like he's at his prom with his dad's out. Yeah, there's. A, I've got good reasons for it. But you know, don't don't bring it up to the point. Just let it let it slide by. What Imagine. he wears is a good yeah. reason. <laughs> if you wear clothes, Brilliant doesn't reason. like. Oh, <laughs> any reason. reason? I can come up with any reason, mate. Don't worry about. It. I'll get creative right. for reasons. I'll just infer something about you. So what? <laughs> One of the things okay. I thought we would do on this episode also, Neon, which is why I thought it would be cool to bring you on, is I've just noticed not only this split, but especially in the playoffs. Dude, I think the entire game of League of Legends in the West is about bot lane right now. Even in LCS, where their picks, by the way, are an absolute joke that don't even look like they come from this year. Like, they're all playing, like, MF handshakes and stuff. Like, I don't even... Again, I don't know what it is doing, but if you watch, like, it, not only LEC, but hey, most hey, of wait. the other regions I'm watching... It's not an A. It's a U. What the fuck? You guys sold us Han Summer. I don't know who the fuck is playing for Team <laughs> Liquid, but that is fucking San Hammer or some shit. I don't know who the fuck that guy is. That is that is the most fraudulent thing I've ever seen. He was dominating in EUS. I mean, he was known as the the Callista Draven player. Now he's just a Jinx. Oh, doesn't even play Draven no, now. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, <laughs> like, like I don't really watch NALCS right because I don't have the time. But I swear. Like you have time every now. single time, every single time I've turned LCS on, I saw Hans Sama on Seraphine, and I like that was the most funniest thing I've ever ever seen. 
Like I, I couldn't stop laughing. Like you just you just turn on LCS and you see Hans Simon Seraphy. Leon, I've got bad news for you. That's also a literally a mega key like fucking pick in their meta in LCS. It's the CEO of our, for, real. Of our LCS. for real, it is. I'm not even joking. Like that that like auto wins when it gets picked in LCS. So anyway, <laughs> as I say, it's like an alternate universe. So but in yeah. Europe, what do you think on this, Neon? Because I think like as much as like when we came into the playoffs, everyone was like, Oh, it's easy, you just only play like Shiver into whatever. Now it seems like there's way more variety. Like obviously we've seen all the stuff G2's doing. I was even hearing some mad shit on the show I did yesterday someone insight with your coach well your coach told me something like at one point Heaver was trying to make your team run like a Zed Tarek bot lane or something in scrims like what's going on what, is, is, is bot lane the key to the better right now what do you think I mean I think there's some champions that are really strong right and especially like Zeri and Sivir that come to mind and Lucian they're just like really oppressive at what they do currently and I mean, if it's not going to be changed for botland, then I uh, sorry, if it's not going to be changed for worlds, then I think botland meta will still like stay the same. And I mean, in general, like botland is just the role to play to because like essentially you're playing for two players, right? And now with Harold being like mega buffed and Drake's being like mega buffed, uh, it's even more prevalent because like usually if you have your botland unlocked on the map, it's easier to get either of these objectives. So botland is just OP. What can I say? Oh, it certainly mm-hmm. seems like it, yeah. Because yeah. another thing as well that I, w- I also wanted to ask about was, it feels like that whole take, right? Here's one thing I want to ask you about, right? Anytime in the split, now people realize it's been played that much, it can't just be utterly brought. Now in the split, everyone just claimed like, if you let them get Zeri, then that's, you fucked up the draft completely. And then obviously then it became, if you let them get Yumi, you fucked up the draft. Do you actually think, are any of these champions at the status they are where they actually should be like auto-ban or like insta-first pick if it's available? Are they actually that high on the priority for you? Uh, yeah, well, there's some champions that you're like, uh, that are, that are basically just like first picks, right? Like like Zeri and Yumi, and like the reason for why teams have left it open previously or like decided to play into it is because like even though these picks at its core it's like really broken, right? Like uh, sometimes there is counterplay, there is strategy to play into it, and uh, especially if you're red side, you know that enemy is going to pick it. So maybe for the whole week you've practiced a strategy, right, that you think will work. So those are like literally the only times these champs get open and. Like sometimes some things work in scrims, then you go on stage, boom, we can't make it happen. On and suddenly Yumi looks like the most broken champ ever again. Uh same for Zeri, right? And uh I mean sometimes it's just the meta. Like sometimes it's just like you handshake Sivir Zeri because both sides are good and you're fi- finally playing both sides, and you prefer to ban other champs because you believe that their strengths lie elsewhere, right? So it really just comes down to each team. But like I, I just find it really stupid whenever like uh, the fans are like, yeah, but why didn't you just ban it? Why didn't you just ban this one singular champion? It's the only reason they won. Well, it's not really that simple, right? Yes. Because actually along these lines, one thing I want to open the discussion up for here is it seems like in your match, this was something that happened because against your team, Fnatic did ban the Yumi all the time. They never did it. They made, like Mercer had to do that, like Sorak could pick up yeah, one point. But so... I noticed when they played the next series against Mad Lions, they were just leaving it up all the time. Similarly, when they oh. played against XL, like certain teams, they are just leaving the Yumi up for, right? Yeah. Uh, well, if you watch the draft, uh, so like going into the series, we... We assume that the only reason they left, because when we've played them, we've already had info on them from uh, their best of five against Exile, and they left Yumi open, right? But they played every game they left it open and played Lucian. Yeah, uh, they played Lucian Nami. So we were assuming that that's their answer. And if you ban Lucian, they're going to ban Yumi, which is what happened. Um, I, in, I think like in uh, in hindsight, we could have like 
experimented a little bit more in the draft in like the other games when we didn't have to ban Lucian and we could have perhaps played Yumi Lucian side, right? But uh, ultimately, that was their answer into the Yumi, and that's the reason why they ever considered leaving Yumi open is because they had Lucian Ami to prepare, right? And the second we banned Lucian, they've just banned Yumi without hesitation. So that was, that was it for the series and for Fnatic, and it's probably like how it's going to stay with them. Okay. What do you think, Dom? Because I thought a way we could start this was like that's the topic of the bot lane. I go, what, do you want to start with Fnatic? Because to me, Fnatic's another team that's had to like reformulate through bot lane. Like the whole game's basically like let upset carry the game at the moment. It looks like for them. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, which Dom? is crazy considering he's such a bad AD. Weird, isn't it? I know. <laughs> like, he's just such a terrible player, but then he's just like withered. They're drafting around bot lane. I don't know. I don't. I don't really understand that. It seems to me right now, just on on the bot lane meta, that there's not many ads that are actually versatile enough to play like the whole range of potential picks. Like right now, the way I see it is there. There's like Siverzeri trade. There's Lucianami, which can be like counter um, to those lanes potentially. There's Draven and there's Callista. And then there's like some fringe ones like Senna Tom. Yeah, there's the like, ones of Fnatic. Um, yeah, the G2 there's one, like rather, Seraphine yes. Senna. There, there's those yeah. types of fringe ones. But I feel like the meta revolves around those 580 champions like Draven, Callista, uh, Zeri, Siver, and, and Lucian. Uh, Lucian with Nami only. And it feels like there's not an AD that's like versatile enough outside of like maybe Viper that can actually go to all of the picks. So it seems like right now, the way that people are drafting is really um, about just like the specific ADs and what they actually play. So something that we saw Rogue doing is they're just banning like they decided, I'm, I'm pretty sure from Rogue's prep, they decided that they were just going to ban Draven every single game for the entire playoffs because they're like, who do we play against? We play against Unforgiven uh, first, then we're going to be playing against Flockett, who's another Draven player. And, you know, like, in those two series, you kind of do your prep in the week one. It's like, what what are like the ones? Is there anything we want to remove? Anything that we like don't want to play against at all? And they just decided to ban that. And now I think it's kind of interesting because Flock is the only Draven player left. But even when he plays Draven, it doesn't really look like an unforgiven Draven. It doesn't look that scary. It's kind yeah. of like, can I can I comment on that actually? Yeah, go on. Sure. So like, I will give you like a perspective of like what it feels to play against a Draven in a competitive game and why so many people like will never want to play against it uh, because at its core, this champion. It's like you don't really have counterplay to it because let's say you're playing a competitive game, right? And both sides of the AD, like they just farm early, right? Like Draven gets 100 CS, you get 100 CS. And mm -hmm. at one point, he has like a lot of stacks, right? So the most frustrating thing that can happen is if somehow he gets <laughs> he like this random execute on his ultimate, gets yep. like a random execute kill, and suddenly he's an item ahead of you for the entire game and you can't win anymore just because of this like mechanic, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. really. Like the champion and its kit, it's just like the the fact that you farm, you get one kill, and boom, the game is over, right? So it's like essentially you're playing this mini game of whether will we be able to kill the Draven when he has his stacks, or is he going to get like a lucky kill somewhere and make the game over for me? And like personally myself, I don't want to play against that, and I'm sure it is the same for like a lot of other AD carries, right? So it's just it's just a a real really big X factor in like every game that it's open. It's just like is he going to get a kill? Is he not going to get a kill? And it's literally just the only reason why people don't want to play against it, why I don't want to play against it. It's it's like the unknown clutch factor that his passive has. So Yeah. So then so what I ask you is like, why do you not want to play it potentially? Do you think it's just too much risk uh, and like that? Do I get a one kill? You yeah. feel like it's almost like not in your hands? Yeah, basically. I mean, I didn't I didn't play any Kalista Draven this season. Not because I don't believe I can play the champs, but because when I look at us play, I look at our team's strengths and weaknesses, and I thought I thought I felt that our biggest strength was not early game. It was rather mid game and objective team fights and just team fights in general. So I didn't want to pick a champion that relies to get through early game or like that has to get go for early game or has to go through early game slightly ahead. I rather pick champions that 
even if you go behind an early game, which is our weakest like strength. <laughs> and weakest strength, okay. Weakest yes. strength. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, as long right. as I get to three items and as long as I play the infights well, we'll have a bigger chance. And that's what I believe, and that's why I mostly play hyper carries in my team. And I think that's also why we've seen a lot of success is because I didn't pretend to try something that we're not good at. I rather went for what I knew was good for us. And I stuck with it for the entirety of the season because I ultimately believed every day that it was the best for us. Yeah, Thor, no, I actually, you, yeah, you, no, you can on. hear from Misfits coaching staff, like just the positive mentality. I know what you mean, yeah. You don't have strengths and weaknesses. You just have weakest strengths. Yeah, exactly. Like everything is a strength. <laughs> like some are just weaker actually, than others. That was actually unintentional. Like I didn't even think about it. That's okay. how, how, how the wording came out. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm just fucking with no, you. No, the thing is, so I, I definitely agree on that premise. I even think, by the way, what you're saying, Neon, makes a lot of sense because one of the things that people actually were very cynical with with Misfits was they thought it's just like, oh, the team can only win doing this one thing. It's like, if anything, it was actually finding the identity of the team that made the team win all the games. Like, once you've got the identity, because here's the thing people don't think about is, yeah, maybe as like one of the star players, you could play whatever you want. But the question is, like, how does that help like Zanzara or how does that help Mercer or something? Maybe if for them it's better to streamline it. They know exactly what you're going to play. How are you going to play? You're playing a similar style each time. You're going to get to the team fight. They know what their job is. Makes it easier, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the way I see it, it's like, right, like this is sports. There can ultimately be only one team that wins. And for like the other teams, like what you really look at is how you perform with what you were given, right? And I think, uh, I mean, I don't know if I can probably say this, like from what I've heard, like Mrs. was the team with the second lowest budget in the LEC. Yeah, your coach and... said this yesterday. He said it might even have been, he, he said, Dom, he thinks the only team they definitely had more budget than is Astralis. That's it. So actually these Ooh. two splits are fucking insane, mate. Like in fact, uh, the last three are insane for this team. It's unreal. Yeah, so like, so like when I, when I look at the, at the price to performance ratio, I, I, I think we've done well, you know, and ultimately, the mega, yeah. and ultimately like. That's like one of the indicators that that you yes. have to look at because there's just one winner, right? And yes. it, it's a, it's a sport. It's sport. So. No, I'm with you, mate. The analogy I would give there is like if someone was coming third or fourth place, but they had like the ninth best car in Formula One, like they're actually a god at driving. By the way, like you, there's no way that guy's just like just good. Like you, you actually did an amazing job in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was something that we said consistently on the show. I mean, look, we thought that, that teams could be extremely cynical against you guys in best of fives. I, th I thought that one teams, one thing that teams did wrong against you guys most of the split was just banning the Poppy Trundle like every fucking game because I was never, I was like, you can just play that matchup. Like that matchup yeah, is not unplayable yeah. and it's not like one of them is like, I don't think that Zanzara is such a god on Trundle uh, yeah, or Poppy I mean, where it's like. There's no, there's no real skill expression on the champions. Like, like the skill ceiling is, it, it's like really low. For like mm -hmm. like the, the minimum threshold for like for like good performance on those chapters is really low, right? Like like whether the player mains it or not, it doesn't really make much of a difference to me at least. Yeah. yeah. So for me, when I looked at your team, it just felt like in best of fives, you just know what Misfits is gonna do. And if you have a full week to prepare for like, you know, a weak side top laner, a hyper carry bot lane. You know, like the four dog junglers. I mean, look, if Zanzaro wants to run the Vi back, like you're I think you're fine with that in, in a best of five. So I feel like it's just very hard to win with those conditions in a best of five, whereas in I mean, best of ones, it's good. But I mean, I think it's an overperformance because most of us, like, I, I think I had you guys seventh. I think Thorne had had you guys around the seventh spot before um, the split. When we did just our, like, outside playoffs, yep. Yeah, just outside playoffs, and you guys end up in technically the fifth spot. I mean, I'd say that that's an overperformance, even based on our expectations, not even considering budget and everything else. 
Yes. By the way, yeah, a couple I mean, of details that I found out from talking to his coach yesterday that might be relevant to this convo because they actually address things we brought up so many times on this show. So around the draft angle, Dom, there's two really interesting ones there. One, the reason why apparently people didn't hard ban newbie until really late, even against Misfits, is because when it would be picked in scrims, people just did that stupid shit where in the scrim they just play super aggro and dive bottling 24-7 and just push you in and fuck you up with some like Callista alternate lane. And so then they go like, See, we could deal with it. And then the joke yeah. is they leave it open in the pro game and don't do any of that shit in the early game. And then they're like, what the hell? It's out of control. Like, so it's one of those classic actually, scrim ones, you know? <laughs> yeah, there was a scrim that was leaked. I think it was game one, Fnatic versus Misfits, where I think you saw that same type of thing be executed right. in, in, in that one, you know? That was, uh, that was it made sense, so. Yeah. And then the <laughs> other angle was this. The other one was actually a really subtle one, but you'll know exactly what I mean as soon as I start explaining it. Because they started 0-4, Dom, they got stuck in the little kids' table group of scrims where you only get to scrim against like Astralis and SK and fucking ERL teams. So the joke is, when they actually started getting really good, these fucking idiots in the top of the league probably already started scrimming them then, so they were actually weeks behind on like figuring out how to play against Misfits. What do you think, Neon? Like, these angles seem like they've played to your, your advantage to some degree. Uh, I think definitely they have to some degree, right? Um, I mean, I'll touch on the topic about Yumi and scrims. Like, uh, the reality of it is that, like, scrims, like, you can try your hardest to make it as close to a stage game as possible, but it's just, it's not really possible to simulate that because, like, you just don't get the same amount of stress and it's it's just ultimately not the same, right? And the thing is, like, most of players, when they're under stress like this, they just don't play as aggressively. and like that's when you have to like actually think about or like try and imagine how you would have played the situation on stage because on stage uh usually if you know that something could go wrong you will most likely not go for the play or like sometimes you will choose the safer option and on scrims it's like more like okay well i'll I'll flip it you know and sometimes this is where the fake data comes from right yes. so like yes. ultimately it also takes skill to like be able to tell whether it will for sure work on stage and I mean, some teams are able to do that, right? Like some teams are just good enough uh, to like execute strategies like this. But uh, the general gist of it is that it's just, uh, I think it's probably like a worldwide phenomenon that the screen games on average are way slower and way little, way less kill, kills per minute. And it's probably a thing that's going to be here for a long time. Stage games, right? you said scrim, but I know you meant yeah, stage yeah, yeah. for that Oh, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just ultimately like the human psyche, right? And it's not much to be done about it. So like also part of like knowing how to draft is like actually stimulating in your head the stage environment, like thinking, okay, would it work, would this work out? And uh, I mean, yeah, we probably picked human scrims a couple of times and he probably gets stomped with it and then we picked an official game and we won. And yeah, we didn't really like look at, we weren't really like looking at the scrim game and being like, oh, well, if you pick Yumi, we're going to get stomped. We are more like, well, we believe that we can make it for early game because they probably won't go for this on stage. So that's just really it. And yeah, I mean, we did have a 0-4 start. And I mean, we didn't really get worse scrims. I mean, we've never been scrimming like the top teams during the regular split, but we've always had Elise scrims. So we've always been scrimming the bottom tier teams, right? And I mean, we were 0-4 with Zlatan. Then we like picked it up with Zlatan. Then we benched Zlatan and we kept it going with Sanzara. Um, yeah, I mean, our scrims have never been the greatest, but like somehow when we went on stage, we were just be we were just able to play our best game, and I mean, ultimately that's what matters, right? And it did for us. Yeah, for sure. 
with all the discussion around these matches, we've got three of the big teams, it's actually the same three teams from Spring Split, vying for the crown. G2 heavily favoured by most. Fnatic's getting stronger and stronger. Rogue seems like the one team where they're just falling and falling. All the draft reasons go against them. The players look a little bit dispirited. Do you really believe they're going to come through? But because of that, and because of the fact Fnatic's winning all these clutch series and game fives and upsets carrying, and suddenly they're looking dangerous and they believe in it, the odds are enormous for Fnatic. And the problem is, as you'll see on the show when we discussed it, I actually think this is going to be a really messy series. I know that you can truly believe a Fnatic as much as you can believe against Rogue. So actually, with these odds, Fnatic is 1.469. That's not bad if you're confident they win. I think the problem is the odds are too big for Rogue. It's not that I think Rogue is the better team and will win right now. Right now, I think it's very up in the air. But I think this is way closer to a 50-50. I would put it maybe like, what, 60-40 to Fnatic? So I have to say, I'm going to take the Rogue side for the bet because 2.634, I think that's ridiculous. I'm going to go, I'm not going to go enormous. Like, what I'll do is I'll do a 750. There we go. 750 USDT. And I'm saying Rogue takes this. Even though I actually think Fnatic will win, but I don't think they win in that many scenarios. What do you guys think? And let's get back to the show. Right, what about this then? So we'll bring it back to that. We were originally talking about Fnatic then. We just went on a big digression <laughs> via, like, discussion about Yumi and all this. Right, what I want to ask you is this, Neon. What have you actually thought? Obviously, you've had a brilliant split as ADC. What have you thought of Upset? Because obviously, he's somewhere where... The problem I've noticed with Fnatic is this. Right, so much of the baggage of the players from past years seems to, like, inform how people critique them now. So a lot of the critique of Upset still seems around people being mad about that shit at Worlds. Like, it doesn't even seem like it's about his game or what he's doing in Fnatic. So... If we take that out of it, just as an ADC, what have you thought about like upset over the split? And like, have, do you think they've changed strategy to like? Is it, it just it looks basically like they just put all the resources in him now? Yeah, um, I will get back to that question directly a little bit later. But first of all, like when you're playing a team like G2 or Fnatic, like you have the most diehard fans ever, right? Like if you're winning, they'll mm -hmm. love you, they'll worship you for a god. He means mentally start, ill. He said diehard. I don't know. You know, translation. <laughs> <laughs> just sure. like, that was a euphemism, okay. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> really passionate fans, exactly. Yes, yes. Diehard fans. Continue, Neon. You're winning. They worship you as a god. The second you start losing, you get death threats in your mail. Um, and that's that's just like I think that brings like additional pressure to playing on a top team like Cheater of Fnatic, right? And I think that was the same thing with Fnatic, right? Like uh if Fnatic was winning from the start this year, well upset is still a god, right? Second, he starts losing. Oh, uh, go back to the world's wife memes, right? And uh, I mean, it's true that Fnatic did have a little bit of a slower start in the season, but like to me, this is probably because like these players, they've played a lot. They've been to Worlds many times. Like not all of them, but for example, Humanoid has been to Worlds sure. four years in a row, and that also means that you don't get that much time off. So like when the split starts, it's probably uh, natural to say that they're not they're not at their 100% effort and they're just not going to be playing the best. But, I mean, they were actually one game away from missing playoffs. If we had beaten them in the last game of summer, they would have missed playoffs, which would have been kind of weird because none of this would have happened. We wouldn't yeah, have exactly. Seen, we, would, we, wouldn't have, yeah. we wouldn't have seen them step it up so badly. But, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're actually playing 100% now. And, like, when I played them in regular split, uh, regular season, when... Compared to when I played them in playoffs, it was like a night and day difference, and they all played way better than us. And I mean, ultimately, they were just able to pick it up because they're experienced players and they've been in these situations before, and like they are again proving their worth, right? I think like all of them individually weren't playing as good as they are right now. Like every single one of them has stepped it up, and I could feel it in the series against us. 
And uh, I mean, also goes for upset. Like uh, when I played him in like the regular split, it was like always like whatever. Yeah, I'm playing upset, but like he did actually get me these games against Fnatic. Fair play. What do you think, Dom? Because I have to say, like, what he's saying does that's it's why on this show, even I kept saying when they were like potentially like on the brink of making a play, I kept saying the joke is every other team in those playoffs, that's the one team you don't want to get through the tiebreaker. You don't mind if Misfits makes it or Excel or Astral, like any of those, because the difference is those teams can't just like become five times better in the playoffs. Like, at any point in time, this could have happened. It could have happened in the split. Like, I even think, by the way, as an aside, I wonder if they actually were too stubborn during the regular split because it looked to me like during the regular split. But the one thing they wouldn't do is do like a band-aid because they thought we're all super duper players. Like we'll figure it out. And at the end, they just did a simple band-aid, which by the way, works amazingly in the meta we just discussed. Like bot lane does carry the game right now. And they, they look awesome in some of these wins. The fucking fucking people up, mate. What do you think, Dom? I feel like they did try that at points. Like they were playing. It, uh, I've had a really, I, I don't know. Fnatic's been really hard to read because they came into the split, like playing Draven, which was like not an upset champion. I was like, okay, like they're playing like Draven. That I guess that's kind of the idea, right? I mean, if you're playing with a Draven on your team, you're going to be playing through your AD. Absolutely. Generally, yeah. Or you're going to be trying to like, at least have them get strong at some point in the game. You'll be playing for um, Cashins. And then they just like completely dropped. They like won a game. I think they won a game, lost a game, and then they just completely dropped it. And they went to like completely different champions. Yeah. Um, and then they just had like some weird meta. Like, weren't they playing like Morgana support when nobody else was? Like, they just have like all these like really strange picks. So it felt like they just didn't know what type of team they were. Um, and then the other thing was like during the whole split, it's just Humanoid was just dying to literally air, like nonstop. He would just die to everything that fucking came in. It was like somebody walks through and just fucking throws like a fucking trundle pillar at him and he's just not flashing it until he's already dead. He had the one where like, where he was playing Azir. He's playing uh, versus, versus Caps, I believe. It was Fnatic versus G2. He sees the guy on a ward and then he just like gets his E canceled or just dies to that. It's like, what? Like, but you literally saw him. So I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I made the joke on Twitter. I was like, oh, did somebody just tell him that uh, that Tomorrowland is over or something? And he responded. And he said, oh, they actually just told me it was in Malma next week. So, there you go. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the cause. So it's been very hard to, to read um, Fnatic. But one thing, like, I mean, I don't even think that Upset and, and Hilly has, have specifically stepped it up that much to me the biggest change seems to be from Razork and Humanoid because they're actually like working together and just seeing the way that Razork plays the game it just looks like he has insane confidence right now like he just walks into the enemy jungle and just fucking scraps it out I mean you see all those poppy games where he's just he sees a trundle and, you know normally when you see like the junglers see each other in river at like level four they kind of just walk away from each other you know the one who's stronger I mean trundle's like a little bit stronger if you get a 1v1 fight so you'll see them kind of just like walk away but you see Razork, he just goes in, procs his phase rush, stays on the outside, like waits his cooldowns, tries to do it again. Like it's just, it feels completely different than during the split when there was all these like random invades. It felt like there was no synergy between Humanoid and Razork. I mean, we were making the joke that it felt like they just hated each other when they were uh, cooperating because you'd see Razork go for like an invade and it would be like, okay, maybe this can work if you guys both commit. But as soon as like the, the people showed, Humanoid was just like ditching him instantly. It was like, yeah, fuck that guy. He's already dead. Like, so I don't know when I'm watching them, them play, it's really hard to, to know what exactly happened because I don't even know if they're like style change. It just feels like they're individually playing better um, than they were before. So uh, it's, it's kind of hard to, to, to read for me. I'm, I'm not sure what happened. I feel like if you didn't get the full, you know, uh, the full context of scrims and things like that. It's really uh, difficult to tell what exactly happened besides for them just, just playing better. Another thing I wanted to say about um, the scrim point when you guys were talking about that, I feel like part of the reason why Misfits gets thrown out of that like scrim pool is I feel like just individual players care way more about the player that they're scrimming against directly yes. than like yes. practicing against a team, which is I think wrong, obviously. But 
when you have like a player like Wonder and he gets to choose between like Vitality, who might be doing worse yes. than Misfits, but he gets to play against yeah. Alfari compared to Irrelevant. It feels like the players are always going to want to play against like the better laning player and they want to get like value out of that part of the scrim as opposed to like the entire, you know, macro game and like, you know, playing objective fights together well or like setting up drakes that type of uh practice there so i mean that that at least was my experience and when i've talked to players i've always got the vibe that they prioritize really heavily the the quality of their opponent like mechanically in lane over you know how well the team is doing yes no that was exactly the example i gave on somebody inside i said on somebody inside that's the thing fan or fans always forget that it's not even just about how good you are in the in the league it's what your status as players are so i gave exactly that example dom i yeah. said i bet you if you're vitality they could literally be the worst team but if you have perks and alfari people are just going to say yes to the scrims aren't they like this be real like everyone wants to, they still respect those guys I, I will i will just confirm that it's definitely a psychological thing like uh like like let's say I'm like I'm in misses, right? But when like scoring BDS, I'm still like, oh, it's BDS. It's probably going to be an easy day, right? So like mm -hmm. the top teams think to say the same about misfits, yes. right? Yes. So and it just like for me, this is like the same in solo, right? Like I see players and I'm like, oh, this game is free, right? And I was like thinking a long time ago, I even suggested this throughout. Like, uh, what if you made a feature that allows me to like disable the names of everyone in the game? So I just see like champion names, and then I can like truly like put myself to test, you know, like because like my gameplay, it's influenced by who I'm facing, who I think I'm facing, right? Sure. And I think it plays a huge psychological role. And like at least once in my life, I would like to play a game without knowing who I'm facing, you know. And then yeah. I think only then I would like be able to like truly say like how well I play, you know. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the times it's like you're either scared that someone is better than you, or like or like or or you're overconfident that you're better than someone else, right? So I I really like wish that one day this can like come true and be a thing in league of legends that you just have enemy summoner names disabled you don't you don't yep. you don't see their names you know and that's and how we'd find out that rjs is actually the goat because he's the best on all five hey, roles go. with name hey, plates go. off that's okay. what he's been trying to say yeah. but people just they see the name rjs and they associate right. him with the biscuits yeah, and everything stigma, and psychologically exactly. yeah. they're just not able to correctly exactly. analyze this player as yeah. the or as uh, his play as the faker of league of legends basically it's that meme like if he actually was acknowledged for his true ability without the stigma of his, like associated reputation we'd live in like that you know space colony where it's like curving round with all like the sustainable grand and that like that would be the world we live in but we don't we live in this world because sadly people just refuse to accept that rjs is indeed the app door slash fake-esque character yep. who can just dominate the game exactly right what about this then the one thing i have the question about right i it, it comes off the point i said earlier about like obviously the reason why no one wanted Fnatic in playoffs is what if they ever did get it together what if some of these players start playing well there's a reason why everyone called it a super team so here's my question for you neon this is the hardest question i will say but let's just start the discussion before they played Mad Lions, right? When they were playing you, I think a lot of people thought they would beat Misfits. But some people thought Mad Lions would win. You know, supposedly throughout the split, they were the better team. After Fnatic beat Mad Lions, I mean, they play Rogue and then it's the final. Like, there's a world where they might even win the LEC now. No one's been thinking about that the whole split pretty much. But we have to actually have this conversation. Can Is Fnatic good enough to actually potentially win LEC now, do you think? I think they have a good chance, yes. I, I've played against them and to me, it was a different team. And I think, I think personally... Uh, they'll probably beat Rogue too, and I think it's going to be G2 Fnatic uh, finals as as scripted, right? Sure. Yeah. What do you think, Dom? Yeah, I think the same thing. I I, I don't know. It feels like whenever there's a, a series that's going to be close, you should just never bet on Rogue. You know, it it just is what it is. 
it feels like they just can't separate themselves from like the pressure and people will be like oh it's just a meme like i saw the reaction in, our, in some of the comments in our, in our last episode where it's like but like shouldn't you just take it for what it is and to me when i see the way rogue plays it definitely just feels like they just don't have that competitive mindset when in really close games you could see it in the series that they they played versus g2 right there was times where G2 would make a mistake and Rogue would capitalize and Rogue would have a little bit of like pressure in the game and it would be like, ooh, like what's going to happen? How is G2 going to overcome this situation? And it would be like Rogue just instantly would give it back. You know, like they would just throw it back every single time so quickly without G2 having to actually pull out a miracle play. They weren't able to win any of those games where G2 actually did make um, some mistakes. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm with the I think that Fnatic will, will beat them. I just feel like the momentum of both teams is... Um, yeah, it is really skewed towards Fnatic, and it feels like this is probably one of the only points where Fnatic actually looks like a team. I mean, even looking at the player cams, they're, like, smiling and shit. I didn't see many smiles when they were, like, fucking running, running, running it down. I mean, you'd see, like, the awkward, like, embarrassed smile that, like, sometimes they'd be like, haha, like, I fucking into it, and they're, like, smiling, but you could see, like, behind their eyes, they're, they're like, fuck, man, like, this is actually going really terrible. Maybe we're not going to make playoffs. They actually look like they're genuinely having fun, and they have nothing to lose, right? Like, they've already, yes. even though they are a super team, right? And maybe the expectations originally were for them to win or for them to, like, be top two. It feels like that, that pressure was really, like, relieved once they had such a bad, like, spring. It feels like now people are more like, oh, shit, if they beat Rogue, that's actually an accomplishment. If they go to finals, even if they have a close series and lose Rashid 2, people will still put some respect on on uh, the player's name. So for me, I just feel like they don't have much to lose right now. And the pressure seems to be on Rogue. And that's normally never a situation where I, I expect Rogue to pull through. But who knows? Maybe I'm just looking too, too deeply into narratives and, and Rogue will be able to, to figure things out. No, I know what you mean. The problem is, to this day, I'll still point this out, Rogue have never, ever had a super dominant convincing series with this core of teams where they make you believe they can win the LEC. So even when people will say, like, what about that reverse sweep of... Yeah, they were getting fucked up in the first two games. Like, look, they weren't getting, like, totally dominant. They were in those games. But, like, the, the Fnatic should have won those two games. They did win those two games. And there's another world where that could have just been 3-0, obviously. So, like, I don't... That's the problem. I agree. Until Rogue actually prove it, I can't just believe in them. Like, I do think this could be a... If I had to get... Yes, I think this could be like a super messy series, the Rogue Fnatic yeah. one. I could easily believe both teams win games, etc. Probably draft will be really interesting. But even there, Dom, I have to sort of side against Rogue. Because as much as people flamed Yamato, all I'll say if you're a fan is this. The teams he didn't ban Yumi against, he beat. And the teams he did, he beat. What more do you want? He's actually drafted based on the opponent for fuck's sake. That's what you're actually supposed to do, fans. You don't just draft on your own list like when we hate Yumi, so always ban it. Like, no, if Mickey X can't play the shit, make him play it. Make him think that's the fucking first pick and blow their whole draft on it. It worked. So my problem is this. I feel like Rogue could so easily fuck up this draft mix. I've told you one thing I hate about Rogue is they always seem to start each series with the totally different idea yes. of what the meta is. And the exactly. first game at a minimum, dude, they always do a really weird draft where it's like, what? You think those are the strongest picks and then the, the stupid thing is when they lose they just immediately go away from it all. Like well, whatever they were actually doing they're like wait abandon that it doesn't work. Like what? This is all your prep for the whole series. What? <laughs> yeah I mean their prep didn't even make sense for this G2 series because no. like they went into the mad series right they were like Marong plays Jarvan every fucking game with his yep. weird ass build where he goes like an executioner's <laughs> calling. Then he builds like his tank item and then he builds like a GA randomly. Like he was, that was his thing. He was like, I play Jarvan every game. Yep. And then they're like, you know what? Versus G2, we ban Jarvan every game. We Not just fucking first ban Jarvan. <laughs> it's like, what the, f how did you even like, I thought maybe on red side that kind of made sense because I'm like, oh, maybe because Yankos also plays Jarvan. It's going to be like really right. high priority on Jarvan. Okay. Okay. Can I, can I actually touch upon that? I think sure. the reason for 
I think the reason for why Rogue banned Jiren is because was it spring finals or semifinals this team faced? Uh, upper bracket uh, final of spring. Final. I, I, I think I think Yankos played Jiren like every game, and I think he gave Comp some serious trauma. So I'm pretty sure it's just okay, Comp's from the like, final, right? Okay, I'm, from the final, right? Okay. So I'm pretty sure it's just like, okay, I'm not playing against this guy's fucking Jiren. PTSD sees the Jiren. It's literally right. just PTSD, and I understand it. And uh, I mean, I'll just comment on the match as well on the Fnatic. Yeah, go on. Uh, Fnatic uh, Rogue. I think these teams are extremely similar. They both have like kind of like a weak side top laner that they don't play towards. They kind of both have a mid laner that likes to play the control mages. It's like uh, their preference, right? Like both Larson and Humanoid to me, they're quite similar. They both love their Azirs, love their Victors, uh, love their Silas, right? And both teams love to play around their bot lane with like aggressive picks. And jungle also, to me, seems well, kind of familiar because they're both playing like the Dra Jarvan, Propy, Trundle, whatever, play for the team and gank meta. So I think this series should be, at least to me, very entertaining because it's literally like the clash of styles because both teams have the same style. So it should be bloody, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, I just don't believe, like, uh, I, I know you say that Larson loves the Silas. When I watch him play Silas, I feel like he shouldn't love the Silas. You know, he's like, okay. it's like when Bjergsen well, picks Silas. It's like the same well, type of thing where it's like, do you, why do you want to be a Silas player so badly? Is it just like, is this just look cool or something? Or is it just like an ego thing with midlaners where they're like, bro, like, oh, like, Chovy plays Silas, bro. Yes, Knight plays Silas. Exactly. I have to play Silas, like, to, to be those guys. I never feel good about a game where Larson is, like, early picking, like, the fucking Silas. Well, it's probably one of the cases, right? Probably worked in scrims, but it doesn't work on uh, on an official stage. But uh, I mean, even though, if, like, even if it's not the Silas, I do believe like the rest of our champion pools, they love to play the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, I just believe in humanoid right now. When like, whenever human like, if humanoid ever looks good and Larson looks good, I'll always just believe in humanoid to win. I mean, they face to be other. honest, to be honest, uh, like the first games humanoid played on Silas. Like this split, I'm not sure if it, if it was uh, the first round in playoffs against Excel. Uh, mm. He he looked quite yeah, bad he, on it, but then suddenly the it. next he ran it, <laughs> and the next week he's like god on the champion, you know. So yeah. like like what the fuck happened there? I don't also, know. I will say as well, like one thing I I was a bit underwhelmed by is even though actually against the Mad Lion series they Rogue was able to win on the Nami Lucian like one of those games they had no business even being in that one where they were just pushed off the tower at the beginning like game five and had no way that was game four I think that was like they had no way even into the game like that's just mental in itself mate like you can't rely on that like if that happens to you again the game's just over so like the difference is I think the upset in Hillisang when they've run the Lucian Nami looks way better dude looks like probably the best in the league Thoughts yeah, I mean, yeah, the the level one thing it happened to me in my last series, and I was like the most traumatizing competitive match that I've ever played. Yep. And uh, I mean that game, honestly, I don't think it's a match of like uh, Lucianami thing. Like it was more of like uh, that they didn't expect it and it happened. So like nice. I don't think the Lucianami can do much about it, right? Just like uh, we couldn't do much about it in our own game. So I was just really surprised they won that game, right? Because yes. to me the game was over level two. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean you could see in Fnatic versus us game one. Like, uh, if they properly execute this strategy, which they did, the game is over. And I can't play for the rest of the game, you know? Like, it's just unwinnable. So I am extremely surprised that Rogue was able to win the game starting off like this, you know? Like, I would never have imagined that they can possibly come back. So the enemy team must have fucked up really badly. But if you if you want to compare, just watch the game. Dothnatic did this against us. The game was just, like, I, I have yep. no idea to this day how to how to beat it, you know? Well, I mean, I think your jungler just can't start topside. He can't start enemy red buff when you can get pushed. I mean, I feel like this has happened a lot of times in NA where, like, 
there was a really famous game where this happened. It was Sooning versus um, it was Sooning versus TL in group stage of 2020. And NA had the mentality of playing like Twitch Recon, which is like pretty weak in lane. But they're like, oh, we play Twitch Recon and it's actually fine because we just like, you know, play passively the first couple levels. And as soon as we hit six, like even if we're down 10 CS, we're just going to get a kill. That was like a thing that, you know, NA, NA really liked. We had a, a high priority on Twitch Recon and, you know, Suning was playing Draven into it and we thought that was fine. And then all that Suning did was they just level one invaded bot side took enemy red buff and they just split the map vertical jungled and the enemy jungler is top side and then they just dive you over and over again and there was nothing yeah. you could do. So to, I feel like in those... Yeah, go for it. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. Okay, yeah. uh, to be fair, like uh, also going into the series, like uh, I heard a lot of people say, yeah, Absod is like, he's scared, he will not play Kalista, you know? And <laughs> like in the back of my mind, I like, I knew that he played Kalista before and he could play it again, you know, but I like, I kind of like let myself believe that it won't happen. And then when I saw them pick it, I was like... Fuck my life, man. <laughs> not not yeah. like this, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's also why I think he's, like, stepped it up because, like, it's, it's like, an aggressive pick, like, toward... Like, ever since the first week where I played, like, Draven in one week and they never played it again, they have not played a single game of Kalista, I was, like, a lot of people are just assuming that he just doesn't want to play these high-pressure picks, early game picks, but he, like, when it, when it actually was needed, he went for it and, like, could perform on it really well, so... It's also a thing that came to my yeah. mind. It's also a game one. So, you know, like you can try it All in right, game definitely. one if it doesn't work. Like you you have uh, places to adapt throughout the series. Yeah, I wonder if he'll potentially pull, if, if they'll scrim it all and they'll try to like uh, pull out the Draven or something, if they'll scrim with it and, and try to um, pull it out because I that's mean, the something interesting, that Rogue has been banning. If you remember, the interesting one was when they were actually down 0-2 to XL, he played Twitch. Yep. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I, I agree. It seems like, like he'd pull out the pocket picks if I mean, he wants. What was more interesting there is that uh, he was sank Piggy Yumi. I don't think I've ever seen him play Yumi before. So it yep. was just like uh, like a kind of a YOLO draft, you know, like they'll never expect us to first pick Yumi and we're cool. going to get a good draft because of it. And they did get a good draft because of it. So, Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely true. I think it's really weird because Hillisong, I still don't really think that he's good on range supports like the Nami like the Nami ults have became a meme in my chat where people just count every single like weird Nami ult he does because I mean we talked about it we beat it to death last show but this guy cannot stop using the Nami ult as an engage like anytime that somebody looks yeah. like they're remotely catchable by Nami ult you just see him pull out the fucking tidal wave and you see it like slowly roll towards the enemy team and then the enemy he team thinks like, the Nami ult is like the Arnold uh, or something that's the way he uses yeah. it it's so you, stupid you can, <laughs> you can take Hillisank of an engage support you can take engage out of Hillisank there you go yep. No, it's yep. true, mate. That used to be my joke back in the day. It's part of why he used to int when, like, the meta was bad, because he would just make the same play he would make on, like, Ricard. But he's not on Ricard. He can't get back out. It's like, what the fuck? Like, that's just Hillisang, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I still remember I still remember this this clip from, like, Fnatic Voice comes. They're playing Kalista Brom, and Hillisang is, like, 10 HP. He gets Kalista ulted away from the fight, and then he says, <laughs> I'm going in, and he just ults himself in to 10 people with 10 HP and just dies. <laughs> like, that, that just sums him up so well to me but i like i, I completely respect it it's, it's like he does what is needed for the game and for the team and like that's ultimately why he's been like so good so many times right because yeah, he's yeah. like the least afraid player to like do something right and i mean i i have nothing but respect for that 
I would say, by the way, that even shows the strength of the players in this team. This isn't even a Hillisang meta at all, but like you're saying, there's a world where they can even win the LEC now. Like, they're actually looking pretty good as a squad. I want to throw in another thing as well, because another reason I have to say I'm quite down on Rogue, and I think even if they beat Fnatic, they're not beating G2. Another reason why, Dom, is, as far as I can tell, they're actually probably going to get draft-gapped by both teams. Because the other angle on G2, if you look at G2's series, is, dude... They not only have their own unique shit, like they can play Yasuo and Senna and all these Senna bot lanes, but I even heard, I can't remember what it was that the Carter was telling me yesterday. He even said they have like another thing that he like infers they probably have like another fucking, I can't remember what the pick was. He had another pick that they haven't even played yet, but they probably do. They just didn't need to yet, like, because they're 3-0'd everyone. So it's like, at this point, I actually feel like G2 is the best team and as the draft Nirvana. You have to beat Fnatic anyway to get there. And then on top of it, if you're Rogue playing G2, you always just lose to G2 anyway. So it's like every factor seems like it's against Rogue this weekend. It feels like they're just going to be third. Which, listen, they still won a series. They're going to go to Worlds. For them, that is sort of fine. But it isn't in the sense, Tom. This is why, if you notice, every time I've had Rogue players on shores the last few years, the first couple of years, yeah, you do what you do with everyone. It's like when Neon comes on, you're like, oh, it's a great job getting fourth or whatever or third. Like, you've improved since before. That's good because of where you were in your career before. But if you're someone like the Rogue guys now, every time you don't win LEC, you actually threw away an opportunity. Your team, every split was in position to potentially win LEC and you didn't. Like, dude, you don't just get 10 chances in a row. Like, if you get, like, they are four or five in a row where you're really, like, second or third best or even considered the best at times, you've got to convert some of those. Like, that's where you'll look back in a few years in your career when you're on some bad team and be like, what the fuck? That was my chance to win. So yeah. I think the pressure's also insane on them, by the way. I know it's weird because they haven't won yet. They should, in theory, be the ones who are like, we never won, so we haven't got any pressure. I think they have all the pressure, mate. I think the joke is G2 is like, we're probably going to win anyway. We're super confident. Fnatic's, as you say, they're like, we've made worlds anyway. And basically, it's sort of like house money. We may as well just fuck around and see if we can make the final. If you're rogue, the, the actual crazy thing is, they're the team with the most pressure. I think everyone still thinks they suck. Most people are probably going to flame them when they go to worlds. Like, I, I think it's going to be a really rough weekend, mate. They're going to have to do some heroic shit I haven't seen before if they're going to come through this. Well, I mean, they're going to need to, to come in with a proper, like, draft prep because it feels like they always somehow psych themselves yeah. out of, uh, out of like, you know, picks that should be good for them. Like, I mean, I don't care how traumatized you are against fucking Jarvin. It's a fucking Jarvin. Like, Jarvin is not that broken of a champion right now. Like, that is, like, as far as junglers go, that's, like, one of the actual, like, naturally weakest picks. There's some things you don't want to pick. You don't want to yeah. play, like, Sivir into Jarvin. But, like... They played Zeri into Jarvan. Like, does a Zeri really give a fuck about a Jarvan? Like, do, should you really care? I think that fucking LPL teams would laugh if they if they drafted fucking Zeri Yumi and the enemy team just takes a Jarvan into it. They'd be like, all right, like, sure. Like, I guess this guy just doesn't want to win the game. So I feel like, like they need to just be willing to try something. It seems like they're so willing to, to just give up. Like, oh, no, we have to ban it. Like, we can't, we can't even... We can't even deal with it where you have to realize you are going to have to give them something that they're remotely good at. Like, we have three fucking opening bans at least let's not give them like, let's at least leave up things that we can also play. That's what I want to see. Like, if you want to ban Draven, I'm completely fine with that. Like if you went in and you're like, we can't play against Draven, you know, all the factors that neon said earlier in the episode, I think that that's reasonable. I just don't like the fact that every single time that I see them draft, it's like, they have some just weird, like meta read or, or they'll go the other way. Well, they'll be like super confident. They'll be like, let them have their absolute best shit. Like in, in spring, what did they do? They, they gave, they gave Ari the first game when caps was just shitting on everyone with Ari. They're like, yeah, we just give Ari here. I mean, look, sometimes when that works, it looks like a god. Like you look like a god, kind of like when your motto left up the Yumi in the XL series. I still think that that you have to be like more reasonable, more practical with what your advantages over another team are. So, um, yeah, I just I, I just don't believe in their prep. Really, it feels like they never come up with like logical things in the beginning, and 
yeah, somehow they're always at a disadvantage from game one. So, I mean, most of the time they're trying to battle back in these series because of what happens. I will say, though, I have thought of one way they could win, though. The one way they could win is obvious, but it's just like you can't you can't rely on this. It's actually just if Malrang does Smurf. Like, if he tries all the ganks he does, but they just work for the first, like, ever, beginning of every game. Like, there's a world where that could be the game changer. The problem is, I also think that's why no one believes in Rogue anymore. Like, as much as they're still a good team, like, whatever happened when they had Malrang in spring, that, they haven't been like that in summer. What do you think, Neon? It feels like that, that all of them separately are still good. But I, I thought, I really do think they blew it in spring, mate. I thought that was their chance where their team looked like it hit its absolute best. Like, even the new player looked awesome. He's, he's still good, but he's not like some, like, fucking super jungler, is he? I mean, I think Malrang is pretty good because to me, he's like the perfect team player, which is what you want in, when it, want in a team environment. But he's sometimes a dog I think, jungler in 80 I carries mean, like dog sometimes, junglers. Go. Sometimes he might be a little bit too much of a team player. He might buy too many utility items. He might buy too many pink cards, essentially fucking himself over and like putting himself in a position where they can't contest like like side lane with his mid laner or like a top laner or something. He just has to be a leash to his bot lane, right? So maybe it's like if he could like introduce another way of playing or like maybe try and be on like uh, more of like a carry jungler once or something. But uh, I mean, it just feels to me like sometimes he plays too much for the team and it ends up being too useless in the game to, you know, do anything. Like uh, like this week he was playing this Xin Zhao and he had like, at yep. like 15, he had like a bummy cinder. And like, I mean, if I see Xin Zhao, I want to see him at the Gordrink Redsman jump and kill one guy at least, you know, not... You know, like, like he always goes weird builds as well. That's the other thing, he's isn't it? He's the edgiest motherfucker. I, like this guy I mean, is just so fucking edgy. He just I, can't build real. I like he he just refuses. If any, if there's ever a build that everyone's going, he's like, nah, bro, that's shit. Like I'm gonna show my my personality here. Then he does like the worst thing ever. Like the game that, that Neon's talking about. Okay, so he goes bomby cinder, executioner's calling rush into bomby cinder, and then he completes his like his his uh chain sword right after it's like what the, like how do we even get to this point okay half okay. of his builds are are all health and no defensive stats that's like almost every single one of his builds i don't know it doesn't make sense to me i i think the giga chat thing about Marang is i remember this from spring he just like randomly whipped out this first strike jarvan technology and suddenly like everyone started playing it but it was never good it was always trash and it was just so funny yes. that like people actually believed that it was good when it was trash all time long but, yeah, I mean, uh, people, so, yeah, like he'll play well sometimes, but then people like conflate him playing well with the with the items that he's building. Where it's like those are two yeah, completely separate yeah. things. He's playing his champion well, what he's building is not doing him any fucking favors. Like at the beginning of this year, or the beginning of the split, he was doing the the bomby cinder into fucking giant's belt tech every single time, and I, I was like tweeting that it was bad, and even the road coaches were like tweeting at me about like how it's actually good. It's like oh, but like at this break point is actually better. And then he just stopped doing it out of nowhere. So it's like he didn't even believe it was fucking good anymore himself. I don't know. It's really weird to watch him play. I, I mean, just feel like he refuses to build normal items. I, I don't really have a clue about like jungle items or whatever. But like sometimes you really get to wonder like, is it actually his idea or is it like someone on the staff brainwashing him or does he like have this like guy who like goes to him with the next cell sheet and he's like, look, if you build this and this, you're going to be like. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him like talk about it. Like you're probably never going to know what like his thought process behind it is. But like, what if maybe one day? What if, what if the next series he comes up with like some crazy item that is just randomly going to win them the game? Like you know, what happened? 
Probably not, right. but could. Probably the other reason as well, by the way, here's the other reason I have a problem believing Rogue can win. Because if this was normal and it wasn't this current like meta that we have in the playoffs now, I would say the edge they have is the bot lane. Like, they have a better bot lane on paper than G2. But have you noticed how all the things I was talking about in the draft, they're all just like propping up the G2 bot lane and making it super dangerous in the draft, in the game, stuff like the center. Yeah, so you can just survive with that in a way you never could normally. And then, spoiler, you are at the top side of the map was already the strength for G2. So I, I just think at the moment, like every th every factor feels like he goes against Rogue. Unfortunately, they don't really have any sort of win conditions. Like, how do they win? Can anyone think of any? Can anyone theory craft how they win either of these series? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Larson gets a zero every game, and he just completely fucking smurfs or something. I, I I don't know. It seems really hard for for them to win. I mean, maybe they'll end up, you know, playing better. But with the form of both junglers considered as well, it just seems like Razor is like at his absolute peak. He's playing the best league he's played since like summer of last year and you know humanoids playing playing well too i mean humanoid has always looked decent into larson besides for that one series like you know it's always just been a, a mismatch historically and then when you just add on to that the the prep and the way that they're like psyching themselves out of a lot of the picks i just don't really see um what their advantage is going to be besides for just simply like playing better like they just have to play better individually and i'm not going to just bank on that you have G2 as the winner. Like, if we skip forward to the end of the week, next week, G2 will be the champions, Leon. Uh, yes, definitely. I think G2 is, right now, uh, I would say, like, by far the best team. Not because they're actually the best skill-wise, but because if they won't, they can just gap you in draft every single time, and there's not much you can do about it, you know? And they also have multiple win conditions on their team. Like, both their solo laners are insane and have insanely deep champion pools. It's just like... In what universe do you win a draft against them? And if you're playing against the team that's really good and can outdraft you every game, like to me, it just seems almost impossible to beat, uh, especially with like how other teams are in the league right now and how the other playstyles I like are like way more uh, set in stone for the teams, right? So I, I think G2, to me at least, is the clear favorites. I think their only weakness is that uh, they haven't shown to play strongly towards their bot line. They yeah, they're more like a solo lane oriented team. And like currently, bot lane is OP, right? Like we've talked previously about. Mm -hmm. And like that's the only way I can see them losing is just like like some bot lane just like steamrolling them over, possibly. But they also have good bot lane picks to prevent that from happening, right? Yes, like they can, exactly. they can play all these Senna lanes that are very good at neutralizing. They can play the fucking tank engine that is a very good neutralizer. So. I believe that with the proper drafts, like to me, G2 is the clear, clean, <laughs> clear favorite. And also, yeah. by the way, that's where, like, I noticed the player everyone's praising in the bottom is, of course, Tagamas. Like, mate, this guy's champion pool. That's, like, it's worth its weight in gold when you come to a playoff like this, especially when you're in the weaker lane. Like, for, he's just enabling all this draft shit. Yeah, I, I think Targamas is good. I, I think their 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 biggest weakness is definitely their bot lane. I mean, they, but they draft in ways, like like Neon says, to just get their to to really just cover their their biggest weakness. So when you look at their drafts, I, I don't think they're picking Senna Seraphine because they feel like they're really good laners. I mean, you saw them try to play Lucian Nami. That was against Misfits. And and yeah, I mean, that was just not it. Like, I mean, it just doesn't look like they have any idea how to play that lane. So I think that maybe there could be like advantages if other teams like Band of Senna force them to play into like these like Zeri Sivir lanes. Like maybe those aren't like the most lane dominant, but I'm not sure if um g2 will be able to like play around their bot lane and, and carry a game um but the way that i see it really going is if Fnatic end up 
playing them, which like I'm thinking that Fnatic's going to be rogue. So if Fnatic end up playing them, you're going to see Lucian ban every single game from, from G2. They're just not going to even give them that possibility. And the best you're going to get is like Enchanter versus Enchanter bot lane with one of like the, the scaling ADs, which doesn't seem like Fnatic would be able to, to pull off if, you know, there's a bunch of fires going on on the top side of the map. Yeah. That's true. Oh, there is also one of the, This is why I actually said for me, if Rogue ends up playing G2, also what ruins it is that all the crazy picks are on the bot lane side. Because the other angle I would have bigged up is like the Trimby angle. Like he has this monster champion pool. You can play all stuff like pull out a locks, whatever you want, but that's going to be irrelevant if you've got some safe bot lane. Like, won't matter, will it? Oh, by the way, on the side of the... The other thing I, I have to say as well as this, Dom, bearing in mind, Rogue has to play or do I'm near into Wonder or do I'm near into Broken Blade to win the LEC? Mate, they cannot be fucking doing these Renekton picks on Odoamne. Like, it's just death, mate. When I see that come in, I, I know the game's over already. It's not that he isn't a competent player. It's, if you have a look at Odoamne in his career, the reason why carry picks don't work for him is because usually his team's so used to him being weak sides. Like, they just abandoned him. Like, they never properly fucking play around him, even if he gets kills on these champions. So, like, to me, it's like, I'd, I'd, I hate to sound like LS from two years ago, but, like, for a player like him, I would never be picking the Renekton, mate. You're just going to get fucking evaporated in these team fights, and you're just going to be behind because of the way their team player it looks whack every time they drafted it man yeah it's tough i mean Wasn't i just don't it? know what they could what what they really are going to play because it feels like teams are just i mean the, the reason why i feel like he's picking the renekton is because i mean renekton is historically good into atrox so other teams are just blinding the atrox and being like yeah counter pick us and then the counter pick that he uses is just not good so i don't know if they have to start banning the atrox or what because atrox is also good into um tanks like so like atrox is supposed to have a winning lane versus like gragas um, Gragas, Ornn, Sejuani, all of those, like if the Aatrox players play really well, they could win. So I don't know if the, the best way for Rogue to approach it is just ban the Aatrox. I think that would maybe make sense. So then they could, you know, play these tanks and there's not like a really good pick against it. Like sure, uh, you know, Wonder might play the Gwen or something, but I mean, at least then you're you're trading off things. Like obviously the, the Gwen can do more damage in team fights. Ornn's a better frontliner. So maybe you can play like front to back comps and have an advantage there. I'm not really sure what they should do, but I definitely think that this Aatrox isn't doing them any favors because their mentality is you pick Aatrox, we pick Renekton. And when they play Renekton, it just feels like you have two useless frontliners. You have Renekton and then plus plus you have whatever the fuck Morong's playing, like his Jarvan or his Zin with this like tank yes. off tank chainsword yeah. build. It just doesn't seem it doesn't seem like when they match up into other teams and the other team has an Aatrox plus there's like a Sen of Seraphine like buffing them on the other side or they have like you know, Sejuani or all this stuff, it just doesn't feel like it can actually match up. Yeah. Well, so they're never going to pick it themselves. They'll never pick the Aatrox. So don't worry about that. <laughs> Go on. I feel like, I feel like this uh, Renekton and Aatrox top lane, I feel like it's like kind of the severe area of the bot lane. Like I think both champs kind of do the same thing. And I think uh, for Renekton at least, I, I think it's really OP if it gets paired with like a Trundle or a Sejuani, like something that gives you that really strong 2v2 and you can actually get Herald and like get top lane advantage. But like on every game that I, uh, that Renekton doesn't get ahead, it just, it's a different champion, right? And yeah, I, th I think the he... same kind of goes for Aatrox. Uh, it's just like both are like frontliners, bruisers that want to heal. But if they're like not ahead, then, you know, they're kind of disappointing. So like to me, if I have, if I have Renekton Sejuani, Renekton maybe Trundle for like really good 2v2, like, I, th I think it just comes down to the jungle again, the 2v2. And like, if they can get something out of it, maybe like a dive. But if you leave it alone on an island, then yeah, it's probably better if you play like Ornn or something. I mean, the other thing is that he's he's specifically 
like uh, using a rune page to try to win the lane extra hard. Like he's going PTA Renekton, which is like gonna gonna be really good at like level two, level three when he's trading versus versus the uh, the Aatrox. And then afterwards, like you'd probably rather have Conqueror for the rest of the game. So it doesn't even feel like they like for what he is trying to do and how he wants to play the game. It doesn't seem like the team either understands it or it's being communicated or they really view that as an identity and a potential like strong part or, or win condition um, for the team. And yeah, I mean, I do think that that making Renekton your win condition is normally pretty hard in in uh, the meta right now, unless it's like, I mean, I think m most of the effectiveness of Renekton comes from the fact that it's a flex in draft. Like if you're willing to play it mid, I think then right. you have like a lot of things that can be opened up, but I goes on saying ever... Larson will never be playing that. Yes, I'll tell you exactly. that right now immediately. Exactly. <laughs> you, can put, so you can put point. a bet on that immediately. <laughs> so that's my point is the Renekton picks. You can't even be a fucking flex. It's just, it's always just going to go top yes. lane anyway. So I don't even think they get that benefit from it. So it just feels like there's just, I'm, I don't know, bro. It's probably just back to Orin, back to Nar, back to Sejuani and just fucking pray that your bot lane is just smurfing or something. Neon, what is, what's your take on Comp? Because I find him to be like a really hard player to get a read on because sometimes he does look like one of the best ADCs, does does exactly what you want as an ADC. You get him in the team fight, he'll output loads of damage, he plays the right champions. But I also notice sometimes it feels like they don't even play around him, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what they think of him. So what do you think of him as an ADC? Yeah, I, I think it's really good. I think he's definitely top three in the league. Um, I mean, I think some of these playoffs games he hasn't been playing as well as he did in like the the regular split, but I've I've always considered him like top three. I think he had like one shaky series maybe when I think it was against Mad Lions where like uh was that wasn't their first series? Yes yeah. it was right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I thought that series like he was playing like way worse than usual. So maybe like like playoffs come and it's a little bit different. But I've I've always considered him really high and I I think he is up there in like the top three for me. Who who are and your I, top three? Or your other two? Well, that would be that would be Patrick, Comp, and Upset. Oh, Are you intentionally that? excluding yourself? Unforgiven, unforgiven, not on it. Fuck it, not on it. Okay. Um. Well, as much as <laughs> I love that I got placed on the top three all stars, and so did they. Um. No, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally put them there. Like, it, I mean, like, like, come on, like, like, sure. Uh, they did well in in this year, but both of them are rookies and like upset, upset Patrick and even come. He's played in LEC before. They're they're like more experienced, and to me, they were overall better. Not saying that they're better by much, but I think they're better. So, all right, yeah, get him G two fanboys. He said he thinks Flocket is trash. We heard it right here. <laughs> you know, this guy's an ego, even though G two beat them. So this is where you got to take it out on him. Thing is, even though people get mad about that, to me, it's not even that controversial a take because to me, it's just a logical way that positions work in games. I'll give you the analogy, Neon. You, there's certain types of strikers in football who don't actually have to score that many goals. You know, maybe like they're like a fucking 10 or off nine and they like set the other guy up or whatever. But at the end of the day, no matter how much they set the other players up, if they only themselves score like seven goals a season, 
one, they're not one of the best strikers. And two, they might not even be the best player on their team. If they have some like amazing midfielder, like fucking Man City does, who scores like 20 goals a season, that guy's probably a way better player, even though you play a striker. So I think people just get the roles confused. Like if yeah. people think if G2 is the best, Flackhead must be the best. It's like, it doesn't really work that way. Their team, they're almost understanding that he's like one of the role players. They understand that and how they set the... It's obvious how they set the game up. The analogy I always used to give was when people would tell me like all the time that like the weak side top laner was the best top laner. It's like logically his own team's telling you that's not the best player by the fact that how they set up the map. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to Adekar especially, it's sometimes really hard to say who's better and who's not because like, uh, uh, it's like you are as good as the rest of your team kind of is. Oh. Like it's it's not the role where like uh, the difference gets to shine a lot a lot of the times because like like sometimes I wonder like, like what what if G two picked me up? You know, like what if yes. Mad Lions picked me up? Because both of these teams they had like star players, they had players who've won, uh, who've won uh, EU, who've won uh, like a lot, and then they both both teams like got a got a rookie AD care, right? So I'm like wondering like okay, what if that AD care was me? Like maybe I would have done better, maybe not, but yes. like ultimately you can see that it's just hard to not perform when you have. This yes. much of a like of a, of a, of a team like these good of a teammates, right? Yeah, yeah. By the um, way, that's even what I would say. What I would throw back to the Flackhead fans of the world is this: so you guys would be cool if he was on Misfits, or if he played in Astralis, or he played a SK game in Woodyear. I'd like to see that split. If you guys tell me this guy's the best, just show me. Oh, it's so much harder. We we can only speculate, right? But that's just yeah, the situation. Yeah, like like sometimes you'll just never know, you know. Like what what if what if fucking Patrick was on G two? Like maybe that team would have been able to contest with like LPL teams, or what if Absurd was there? And it's just like these scenarios they'll they'll never happen. But you can only wonder, right? And I think it's just like AD Curry is like this kind of role that like it sometimes does not matter too much. Like I I, I know this myself, you know. So. Eddie Carey is weak this patch. <laughs> just yeah, okay, okay, but like, you know what I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, uh, as opposed to jungle where, you know, if all your laners are inting, you know, the game feels great to play, you can really just show your dominance in just 1v9, so. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, Agreed. Indeed. Eddie Carey is our victims of team diff. Bro? On some level. Depends on the matter. I, I'm, tr I'm trying not to cope, but it's like, like reckless, this guy was to worlds, right? And he's obviously really good within you. Like he's a historically proven player. And then you, like going by that logic, if you put him into an ERL, like that ERL team cannot lose a single game, right? Yeah, people thought but, he would stomp him with the MVP. Yeah, exactly. But, mm -hmm. Like as good as he is, he still can't play the game for his teammates, unfortunately. So yes. like, by the way, that's even a, a factor. Oh, I also think. No, that's even like a real factor that you have to consider, which is this. You know when people say that, because that's what they've all told me. You'll love this, Neon. I've been told by Rams fans all year long, well, of course you can't expect him to be the best now. He's playing in the RL team. It's like, who do you think my mate Forgiven was playing with? The joke is half of you couldn't even name his fucking support players. They were nobodies or they were all washed. Like, most of them are just coaches now. They're not impacting players. Like, that's that's why I always thought that comparison was so unfair all over the years. Because what people did is act like ADC is mid lane and you could just solo kill the other guy all game and just shit on him. Like, that's not even the fucking role. It hasn't been like that for years and years. Like, maybe ADC was like that, I don't know, 2013 or something. You have to go back pretty far, guys. And also, here's the other thing I want to ask you about Neon because I thought you'd be the perfect person to ask about this. 
this. One of the things I always tell people I really like about watching this Misfits team play is it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like I've gone back in time four years and I'm seeing real 5v5 front-to-back team fights where the AD carry in the mid lane are going to do all the damage and win the team fight and everyone wants to peel for them. It's like, that's League of Legends to me. The last few years of League of Legends have just been all these fucking non-stop dragon skirmishes where it's half a fight, it's not quite a full fight and it's just like a million fucking cooldowns and people doing all these dashes all over the map like that and then everyone's on the ADC like, why did he just get blown up straight away? It's, like, it's not like it's fucking 2014, is it? I'm not just playing Lucian with like a fucking tank peeling for me. Like, I think it's madness to try to play ADC now. It must be so fucking hard, mate. Yeah, I mean, one, yeah, like, I think if this is the case for like the next upcoming years, I think it's going to be like quite boring because the games will look very familiar. So like, what I would personally like Ryo to do is like, I would like them to make like red buff, blue buff more strong or like more impactful in like, like it's being taken away or like make some like mini objective, you know, that is oh. not Drake, not Herald. It's less important, but it it would like force you to like skirmish on top side, for example. You know? Okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree I, with this because right now blue buff and red buff are worse than a camp. You know, like you literally care more. Yeah. Like they give sure. less experience, by the way. Like I know a lot That's of people wild, that don't jungle don't realize That's this. Wild. But like if you go like red, blue wolves, you don't hit level three. If you go like okay. Gromp Blue Wolves, you hit level three. Like Gromp and Krugs give more experience than a red buff. So, or like a red buff or a blue buff. So people don't even care anymore with like the jungle respawn timers and stuff. You don't even care anymore if you get three buff. That's not a thing. You don't even talk about it. Like when was the last time you're like, oh shit, like this jungler got three yeah, buff. True. Like he's going to be out of it. Part of the reason why all these dog junglers are coming back is that it, it's, it's not a good trade-off to like lose half of your your um for the enemy team it's not good to counter jungle half of the enemy's jungle and get a kill on the other side and like lose a kill on the other side of the map whereas before if you were playing like in season like six or season nine some of these full clear metas if you died but the enemy jungler like got like three quadrants of the jungle the game would just be over because of the the spawn time because of the amount of experience that they'd be able to accumulate um off of that i think right now part of the reason why the meta is what it is is because people think that Look, you just need to let your lanes play freely. Like half the times I'm watching LPL, the jungler will do like three or four camps. It might not even be above. Sometimes they'll just do like three camps topside, Raptors, and then they just go and walk around and try to find the enemy jungle. Because if they find the enemy jungle, then the lanes can play freely and they can like trade and do all this stuff. Right. Um, and they'll give up anything in order to uh, just be able to dive like a turret or just be able to get a small advantage. So there'd be, I think there'd be way more skill expression in the game if people needed to react to their own jungle camps. Like how, how neon is saying, like if you got like a skirmish around there, then you, you'd suddenly like have another thing that would make the game interesting. Where right now the game is played in just five minute intervals, right? It's like, okay, yeah. like once you get into mid game, Oh, we did dra dragon. All right. Like see you in like five minutes. Like maybe there'll be like somebody trying to burn cooldowns two, three minutes before the Drake, but you don't really get much action. It's just like so streamlined. Yeah. I, I think the, the durability patch has kind of like uh, made it more stale as in, like this kind of like mini objective, which previously would have been like a level three tower dive is like harder to pull out now, right? Which is like something that I would sometimes miss, for example, and I would want to see in the game. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I even I'm... think I even think that's actually a negative addition to the game because I always thought in League of Legends one of the best things was the tower dive and it it makes it so exciting if you it's like worlds and someone's going for some ga gamble where you know their comp will be behind unless they get off this fucking gank or something. that makes it super hype. I've always thought, by the way, I would have even gone a different route on that one. Like I always thought they should have had a more strict, like obvious logic to that where the tower hits work. Like like the first like if two people go in, it's like maybe like the highest health one always takes the hit or something. I would have even done something to enable. Gat 
absolute dives. I always thought if you pull them off like those Korean teams used to, it looked fucking sick when you get in and get out and you don't even lose anyone. It just looks amazing. It's one of the best things to probably to see in laning phase. Well, yeah. I think you can still see this. It's just not that common, right? Like dives still happen. They're just not as common. And more often than not, they can actually go wrong nowadays. Yes. Which is like yes. also kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. do understand your point too. I mean, that was even literally, by the way, what we basically referenced earlier about that Lucian Nami game. That was what ruined that whole game, if you remember, was that the Mad Lions fucked up that top dive and then like lost all the kills to fucking Malrang. So that actually, the joke yeah. is them doing that dive <laughs> ruined the whole game. They were actually going to lead before that. They were, they were yeah. in a great position. And the, then the problem is by trying to get ahead, they fucked themselves, didn't they? So that, That's one of the uh, qualities I've noticed with Mad Lions is it feels like they will prep a play but they will have, there's no way that they will ever call it off. If they're like, we are diving this lane, they're just going to make it fucking happen regardless. You know, they'll just be like, yeah, we, we already invested so much. We have the move. Like we need to go for this. They, they don't have the restraint to like, look at the situation and be like, hold on. We are 3v2 Jarvis, uh, diving a Jarvin that has EQ up. Like this is, this is not the situation we want to be in. Like maybe we just like, you know, back off it. Okay. Jungler had to show, take, take a crab, like take smaller wins. So, I mean, that's uh that's one of the, the issues with the game, but I mean, what's crazy to me is that now we're starting to see dives again. There was like no dives in the beginning of the split outside of LPL. Like, so like LCS, LEC, there was like almost no dives. We had all those super stale games around like week, like three, week four, um, where, you know, the, like the Astralis XL game that happened in, in week four, I believe that one was just torture to fucking watch where there, there's one kill at 18 minutes. All the tier ones are up. No one's doing anything. So. I just feel like the way that you create action is to make jungle camps worth a damn. Then you have, have to obviously balance jungle because if jungle camps are worth more then in solo queue, if the jungler is allowed to just collect all of his camps, he's going to be fucking stronger. And you know, you're going to have the whole like jungle is OP. But right now, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's not much variety in the way teams are playing. It seems like every team is essentially playing the same way outside of North America. And I don't even think the way that North American teams play has anything to do with what they believe is the strongest. It's more just them trying to like, band-aid their themselves as, as much as possible it's like they're they're the 80 carries in an a are just like playing really poorly right now based on you know what you'd expect so there's like okay well at least like mf and jinx like we can not like there's limits to how fucking bad we can play you know like which to me is like <laughs> i, know I don't even believe that they believe themselves you know like i don't <laughs> think that they're like we think mf and jinx are just fucking strong I think they're just like scared to play the stuff that they're they're supposed to be playing. They're like, fuck, but, man. That's, like that's literally not a joke, by the way. The actual game five between Team Liquid and EG Neon, that was what they drafted. It was Misfortune and uh, fucking Jinx. Jinx, Jinx is yeah. still played now in, in LCS. Like, but they it, never got the memo even, on that one, man. It's not even all. that it's just played Neon. It's <laughs> that it's blinded when like Draven and shit and like Lucia Nami, all this oh, stuff boy. is up. And they just blind the jinx. So oh, like, and yeah, they even, by jinx. the way, they even had a comp. This is Team Liquid, by the way. They had a comp that was like everyone just is protected the, the fucking jinx. It's a hold. It's like one of your comps from like spring. It was mental, mate. Like, I don't even yeah. know what world they're in, mate. They have such well, a different vision of the game. It's not even a vision of the game. It's just a mentality. Like, they're just scared because they're like, fuck, we're supposed to win. Let's just make sure, like, like, let's try to do the the most safe thing possible to still be able to win like they have no belief in like oh i'm gonna rise to the occasion and perform in this game it is just like we are gonna try not to lose which is one of the things that i've always hated about an a and that was one of the reasons i actually respected eg's performance at msi even though they did get shit on i thought that they were actually playing with more freedom like they were trying to play the game and like sometimes they would just die and lose that to me is like way more respectable in the show we normally see i made a joke on twitter about like the Giga Chad LPL mindset where they're like blind picking fucking Fiora and Jackson like the last game. They're like, yeah, we just we we just lost last game with Fiora. It is game five RNG versus LG. Who whoever wins goes to worlds. 
And Breathe is like, yeah, give me Fiora again. It's like, oh, well, the other guy plays Jax. He's been like, all he's been playing Jax. He's been dominant with it the whole fucking playoffs. You know, if you fuck up this lane, it's like a skill matchup. If you fuck up this lane, Jax is going to be a fucking monster. Just picks the, the Fiora, pops off. They win the game. NA, the virgin NA mindset. <laughs> MF versus Jinx. Like Seraphine, MF, Jinx. Like, let's just play as safe as possible. Stand, like, don't even try to fucking auto attack. Just stand as far away from the fight as you can and just throw your ultimate and pray that we win. Like, that's the difference of the mindset. It's so infuriating, especially when, you know, the person that's doing that is Han Sama, man. He was the Draven guy in EU. He was the guy who was oh, playing Draven wild. when it wasn't meta. Now, Draven is up every Not game. The enemy team is blinding fucking, like, like, Danny was playing Ezreal, MF, like, all this shit in playoffs. And he's, he won't even pick the Draven. He's just, ah, oh, yeah, Jinx. Jinx every game. Anyways. Wait, wait. You're telling me that Draven was open against Han Sama and he didn't pick it? I was assuming that it's, like, banned nope. every game. Well, hell Dude, no. Nowadays, people don't even respect it and they know he won't pick it, so they just no, leave no, it no. out of draft. Yeah, for real. Go, go. If you look up the drafts, it's just the most maddening thing. Yeah. It's, it just, you can't even, you can't even believe that Hans is the same player. This guy came to NA, he's getting paid fucking $2 million a year to be picking Jinx blind in summer split with Draven and all this fucking stuff up, especially when you consider Hans was supposed to be, like, in Europe, he was one of the most lane-dominant AD carries. That's what people knew him for. It was like Draven, Callista, like, this guy's a fucking beast in lane. And then he's playing against Danny, who is notoriously weak in lane. Like, that was Danny's biggest weakness. He's really oh, good in team fights. Oh, can't really early. Yeah, of course. And then we don't even have that dynamic. I don't know. I don't even know how we got here, but, like, just whatever you said just right. triggered me into the fucking Sorry. NA, like, <laughs> rant of, of how, like, our mindset has shifted. What about this then? Um, one thing I want to know is this. Do you actually think that, um, right, this is sound like a weird question, Neon, but because obviously now the Fnatic team will be going to Worlds, maybe they're even going to be in the finals. Like, yeah, I think we're all picking them to go to the final and play G2. So finish, by the way, finishing second and third isn't actually the end of the world. Sure, super team should probably win a split. But going to Worlds, making the finals, like these are things, you, you, these are the basic requirements. I want to know if you think this. Do you think they will actually keep this lineup in Fnatic though? Do you think that they do you think they will make changes no matter what? Do you, like, do you think they have to win to not make changes? Because that's the problem. Like I said, until before last weekend, everyone would say this team's gonna get torn apart in the offseason, you know. Maybe yeah. no one stays, maybe one player. If they win or something, do you think because they seem like some of the players are pretty cocky? Like, I think some of the players, it's a bit like Vitality, they all thought if they made the playoffs, it'd all work out. They'd probably be in the finals. Like, you think they make player changes in this team? Is it broken? I mean I think Fnatic is like one of the orcs that definitely cares about how they're performed and like the actual results. And they also have this fan base and this enormous pressure on them to perform. So I feel like if this team doesn't win the split, doesn't do well at Worlds, there'll be changes just because of how the nature of the sport and the nature of the organization. And I mean, just like there will be probably a change in most of the teams. Like maybe the winning team won't change a player because they're all contracted, but that's like nature of league. Like, I think Fnatic will make changes just like any other team, right? Unless yes. they, of course, win EU, do World Worlds, they probably might not make a change then. But yeah, I mean, they will most likely make a change, yes. What do you think, Dom? Do you think Misfits will make a change for next split when they're in the elite? <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Sorry. What a heretical idea. No, here's the thing. I actually, by the way, that also leads into the other angle, which is I actually get the sense, because G2 probably is about to go back to back, 
They're going to go to Worlds. Like, I don't know that they can go deep at Worlds. I think it'd probably be like, get out of groups is probably the best you can hope for if you look how stacked some of the other teams are. But this is the problem. That's going to be the most interesting discussion to me, is if G2 wins both splits, right? Ocelot has to, Carlos has told me in past seasons that he does actually believe in that mindset, like he did after season eight, where it's like, even if you have a really great Worlds run, if you really think you can get a better player, you change players, you try and upgrade, because the idea is you're not playing against the same people you played against last year, you're playing against next year's rosters, right? But I do get the vibe, by the way, if they win this LEC and do half decent at Worlds, they're just going to keep the exact same lineup. And that actually, I think, might be the very interesting angle, because here's the thing we're talking about all these other angles as to how their bot lane's been sort of like they've got the edge in the draft and things like that but if they have to go to a normal meta again i think that can become a weakness again like if i were them it's like i've said i know everyone now will go it's obvious now i thought this before playoffs if i was g2 and i saw the way fanatic was falling apart i'm just waiting until the off season and just saying right opposite just come join our teammates let's make the real super team come to our squad I mean, it really depends, right? Because, I mean, if you win EU back-to-back -back with a rookie bot lane, like, they're obviously not bad. They're obviously They're doing good, the job, right? yeah. They're, they're obviously good. So, like, sure, you could go for the theory, in theory, better player, but if if you can win EU with two rookies, then I, I think they have 100% the server shot in their spot. And, like, it's up for the next year to, like, see if they can actually improve and become the star players they're meant to be and, like, meant to mold into. So, I, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't see the logic for benching, like, a rookie after winning two splits, right? Even if, even if arguably they weren't the best player and they got, like, really good teammates, but, like, I, I still wouldn't do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there, this is something that Thor and I normally talk about, which is there's this, like, fallacy in, in League of Legends where they believe, I mean, it's in pro sports too, but they believe the progression of rookies is just, like, linear, where it's like, yeah. they, yes. they started at year one. If they did this well in year one, well, then they're going to be better in year two where like a lot of times some players that are weak at laning like will just stay weak at laning like they yes. won't necessarily have that become a strength like it's not like the experience of laning versus all these top tier AD carries allows them to to get better at it and especially I would argue that with the way the G2 plays when they're playing like Senna Seraphine lanes consistently how are you supposed to like be improving your laning yeah, on, on lane dominant picks or yeah, like sort of hiding you. Some of these yeah exactly you know having to play the proper lane yeah, so I mean, uh, that would be the the thing that I would I would argue. Like, I think that they probably should stick with it. I mean, unless they have like really lofty goals. Like, imagine if they're like if they're like, oh no, we're gonna try to fucking like actually win worlds next year. You know, like we're, we're we really want to do that. Sure, but if they're like content with winning EU and like doing well at worlds, if they're happy being back to that level, because you got to remember, it's not like they've won one 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 one, one their, their whole experience. Like, this is coming off the year that they had their their biggest like downturn ever. So, For sure, I'm not sure if they're mentality just aligns with like oh we need to like just try to be the best in the world or if they're just going to be happy with their results and so, know that like the players I mean, are good enough you also need to keep in mind that uh, i mean historically speaking now if you think you have the best roster on paper you went for the super team you actually don't have it so yeah, yeah. I'll even say that's actually one factor I do think you might even be right and maybe this is the year if they win they keep the same team anyway because I think the lesson they've taken whether this is just narratives or what I think the lesson even G2 actually took internally Neon was that the reason why Flackett is better than Reckless is not because he's a better ADC it's because it helps the vibe of the team and you know yeah. he kind of knows that he's going to be the tertiary carry and the others can I think they actually like what it brought like to the unit and the squad and obviously he does seem like a cool guy and all that jazz but my point was just more that like yeah it's like Dom says 
I don't. Like, I think this might be the best they already played. It's pretty good. Like that's by the way, they've had some banging playoff series. Like in the spring, he was fucking killing it in that lower bracket. So my problem is, yeah, I just don't know. Like the joke actually is, by the way, when you were saying that, Dom. Neon actually is the rare example of what people normally talk about. He actually did gradually get better year on year as he came in LEC. But here's the joke: no one actually believed in him. So he just started to start all the bottom feeder teams and just make one of them good. Because normally I agree. Everyone always just assumes like the rookie will get like, I don't know, let's say like 10% better every split. But it's like they don't. Also, you have splits that are bad. You go down sometimes, don't you? Or you get worse or the meta fucks you completely. Yeah, well, I mean, all. I feel like the way you actually get better at those things is if you like challenge the things that, that you are not good at, where you're like, okay, we're we're not gonna lane, we're gonna just make him lane with like these very volatile lane matchups over and over again on stage. Sure. I feel like those are the experiences that will actually build you as a player, um, instead of just like obviously playing Sun and Seraphine. I mean, look, I think that that in theory you could say like you know, all these things. I'm mainly talking theoretical. If I had to guess, I mean, with how how much Carlos likes Flockett, like he's always had a soft spot for Flockett. He, yes. he just believed in this guy from when he was super young. And then with the results, like, I, I don't think there's any chance they would change him. Um, personally, I'm just giving like the argument as to like why a lot of times like teams end up getting worse by not yeah, yeah. improving the things that they're they're bad at. I mean, we see it all the time in NA where you keep the same roster together and you're like, oh, but like with this extra split, this extra time working together, they're going to improve. And it's like, I mean, there's really no guarantee that that ends up happening. Like a lot, sometimes you've just hit your limit and a lot of players don't have linear progression. A lot of players get worse. I mean, look, look at tactical, for example, like now he's a laughing stock of NA. Anytime he plays like, ha look at how many times he ends yes. it like three, four times in a game in his rookie year. Part of the reason why he, he even got a spot on TSM is he had so much hype from his rookie yeah, year yeah. that it was like, okay, maybe, maybe the, even though he's only played three splits, maybe the last two were bad. And he actually just has like, you know, a really high level of performance in him. And we can still like, like fix this guy. I mean, I don't know. It, it just, it's all over the place. If you look historically at players, it's really all over the place with like progression. Like some players get better. Some players get worse Some players say the same. I, I feel like the people are just way too, um, they're, they're way too hopeful about improvement generally when, yes. when watching players. My joke would be this, right? The joke is this, Dom, because of how he was playing and how badly he was playing, one of his coaches, Tactical's coaches, told him, like, look, you don't have to just play solo queue in NA. You can go and watch, like, ProView and VODs of the top LPL bot laners, learn how they play. But the problem is, Tactical only downloaded the Jackie Love VODs, so <laughs> didn't help anything, did it? I mean, he doesn't even have the upside of Jackie Love anymore. <laughs> no, that's the problem. I know Jackie Love also will carry the fuck out of half those games, too. Yeah, true. I mean, people, like, well, obviously, <laughs> Jackie Love, like, in, in a, uh, like, a couple times in the, the finals and just be like, Ah, so Jackie Love just isn't that good. It's like, no, no he's not this, like, this, this guy is a fucking cracked AD carry. Like, if any of these guys go, w went to Worlds and they had to play against Jackie Love Mark, I don't think that it's going to be like, oh, we sent our, like some of our best like leading AD carry. Like, look, I'm all for how Upset and, and Hilly have been playing domestically up until this point. If they play Lushinami the way they've been playing Lushinami, they're going to get fucking rolled at Worlds. Luckily, that's yeah, just getting nerfed out of the game. I, I saw think. on Twitter, Neon, that you actually watched some of the videos of the LPL players and the stuff. So what are your thoughts on the top Asian AD carries? Like, obviously, like, the big names, like the fucking the Viper, Jackie Love, these players. Like, obviously, yeah, fucking Gala. Rula. Yeah, Gala. What do you think of these guys? Yeah, while I've never had the pressure to, like, uh, scrim against them in, like, a team environment, I did bootcamp in Korea a long time ago. And I did play against the new solo queue, and like my conclusion is that they're just way better than us, and they're like, they're like robots. And I mean, right now the meta in LPL is kind of boring because, like, when I watch the Zeri Serum matchup, it's mostly just farming, and then you play well team fights, right? So there's not much action in lane. But it's just like I've been to Korea. I, I 
like and and ever since i knew why they're so good and it's because of the culture like the gaming gaming is just like widely accepted there and everyone plays therefore like you get so many other players and like i don't see how we can match up to them if gaming is not mainstream in here you know and it's also a mindset that, that's thing. Just insane. It's also a mindset thing. Like when I when I listen to like so for example they do like behind the scenes content for like LPL teams and it seems like they're just like it it's it seems unhealthy to a point, but it's almost like their performance is tied in with like their value as a person. Like internal. Like they like they actually believe that if I play bad, like like I'm just like worse. Like I'm just like a worse person. Yeah. Where I mean, it's like it's almost like in the West it, it is detached. You know, it's like it's like, hey, like, you know, do your best like whatever happens happens like like you're not trained to just have that mindset where it's like if you result like if your results are poor you're just inferior i mean i, I was listening to we coach where, where they were like losing in the split they obviously had like a horrible split they went 0 16 and in in the thing he's like hey like the results mean that we are all trash and i am trash too he called himself trash he called himself trash. He's like, you guys are all trash. I am trash too. We all fucking suck. Like, <laughs> I love that though. I actually love that he put himself in. I know. If people don't know, like, I'll contrast that because that is, by the way, what loads of the behind the scenes LPL stuff's like. It's like they are so harsh on each other. But here's the contrast. Do you remember when Clutch Gaming lost to like 100 Thieves in game five in their first split? And like David Lim was just going like, he did a whole speech where he was sort of like, you know, even though we lost, like, I'm so proud of the way we all came together. And, you know, we're going to get him next split. And that's like, and then you watch the LPL one. It's like, we are all subhuman trash who will never be good. And like, it's better than <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's also so just their, their responses to pressure are way different like there was a time where edg is zero two in, in in a best of five right this is when they reverse swept uh and they're 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 zero two in this best of five and kenju is just going like ham he's like you guys are playing fucking scared like he's like yelling at them he's you guys are playing fucking scared like i would rather see you guys win the game or lose the game standing up then win the game on your knees that's what he said he's like screaming at them like actually to their faces and i'm just thinking about what that would what would happen if they tried that like in a western team like the team is down zero two and you just have like the rogue coach go in there be like you guys are all playing like pussies like what the fuck is wrong with you guys he just starts going up like i just feel like the next game like it would never work in that circumstance it actually ended up working but like I can't imagine what the response would be in a Western I mean, team if, like, that's yeah. the type of shit they said. I, 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 I think it's definitely like a culture thing because I can't imagine like your coach in an EU environment on a, or an NA environment screaming at you. Like that guy would get instantly fired because he'd be like, "Oh, I felt bad after." You would say this to the management, then they're like kicking the yeah. coach instantly. But in like China, this is like probably normal, right? And while I uh, do believe that this could be beneficial because, like, for some people, like feeling bad is actually the best motivator i believe Osh, like yeah like like yeah. for me like feeling bad is like the thing that motivates me to do the best right so like not having someone like tap on your shoulder and say it, it will be better next time like i would definitely like to see more of that you know but i i, I don't know if it will ever i don't know if you ever will i don't know if there's ever going to be a team where like coaches will be like that or whether it's ever going to be accepted in you but I, like personally i would i would like to see that happen to me and to a team and see what it see what it does right because I, I i don't think it's it's going to work long term against asian teams if you keep if you keep yeah. it like this 
I mean, I, I would say that there there is nuance to it, right? Like Kenju is like one of the most well-respected coaches. He was the coach of EDG last year where they won summer and worlds. And then he actually uh, changed to RNG and they won spring and MSI. So like he kind of had an unofficial grand slam winning four of the major tournaments in a row. Um, and the thing is there's dynamics to it, but I feel like coaching, like you have to be able to like tune into like what your players need and you know, in that moment, he chose the right thing. And I think that's why the guy has so respect. Like, I'm not saying you just need to scream at your fucking players every time, but I just feel like it's almost like when people choke, it's like you're not supposed to ever address that there's any choking going on. Yes. Like, even as a teammate, like this is how it was when I was a player. Yeah, if somebody's yeah. like having it like a really bad series. It's almost like, oh, ignore it. It's like, oh, you, you into the entire, I didn't even notice you into the whole game, bro. Like I was just, I was doing my own thing. Like you're almost supposed to ignore like problems as instead of addressing them in the middle of a best of five, because you feel like, well, what happens if I say something critical and he plays even worse? Like, what happens if I bring him down even lower? So I just feel like there's just some, like, uh, there's some disparity between how people actually, like, feel about the game in the East and and, and in the West, just based off, like, context that we see even behind the scene from coaches. There's, I'll also shade in. I think another reason why they can do that, though, in China and Korea is the sheer number of people who are really good and trying to be pro. Because the point is, you can actually tell a guy who's even a star. Like I've, I've used this example before, but if people aren't aware, the guy that everyone in China said was the best top player in the world joined top esports. You won't have seen him this year because he got almost immediately benched. Zoom. And they brought in a guy, Wayward, who was nobody. And the wayward guy's better, so they don't need Zoom anymore. Zoom can just fuck off and they can tell him. That's why you can say to a star player, like, if you don't fucking get you together, you're out. Like, you can't do that if it's Caps. Like, you, you, we haven't got anyone coming in now. Like, whoever our sub is is never going to fucking be better than Caps. So there is that as well. I will say, though, Dom, when you say that, though, I wouldn't do it to all teams, but specifically yeah. when Rogue is down 0-2 in the playoffs, I do wish I just heard that, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, like, battle smash, like, tsh, that's well, who the hell's that? That's Dom's music. And then you just come <laughs> in the fucking room. You're like, listen, oh no, they get the fuck off that carry pick right now. It's nah, duty only for you. You're in prison, right? <laughs> Trimby, fucking, you know, get it locked in. Cobb, we're going Caitlin again. Like, I'm just going, just fucking go off. <laughs> Larson, what are you going to do? Pick Azir and lose like a pussy. Maybe do something this time, you ginger <laughs> fucking twat. Anyway, like, you know, just go off completely, basically. See if it actually brings <laughs> I mean, it out of them. Obviously, you wouldn't say anything to Malrock because he is just a child. Just, you're, you're fine, the Malrock. Yeah. Just don't buy like, pink wads ever actually again. Actually, tone it fucking... down, Moron. Like, <laughs> buy a couple less pink wads. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just complete, just, look, all I want to see from you is, like, when you start clicking towards an item, when you buy an item, just a component, you automatically have to build that component that would be a good into rule. the fucking item. That would unironically be a really good rule. It would. I would implement that tomorrow. <laughs> Not even joking. That would, be, that would make him way better. The other thing <laughs> is, that also it's almost like he is too Korean in that sense. Because he's trying to get extra credit. He's like the only jungler in history that the coach is like, uh, buy less wards, please. Please buy less wards. Like, it's the opposite normally. Like, nope. the joke is like, self-made probably never bought a fucking ward in LEC. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, these guys just go straight for damage and they're like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's just things that are instilled into players like if you're a jungler you know it's like vision is good but you have to honestly you have to be realistic about what is the vision actually accomplishing me in this game like is buying a pink ward and putting it somewhere where i can't defend it and then just buying another one and then having to like drop it somewhere randomly in my jungle just so they don't get the gold from the first one is that actually a good use of vision or like can we use what we have going for us to make some educated guesses as to what the enemy team is doing it's almost like people are prepping for things that are not even likely to happen just in case the off chance that it does happen occurs, right? Like it's, oh man, what happens if they do decide yes. to dive this lane or what happens if they do decide to do something? It's like, dude, you should be mainly playing for the most likely scenario that you think is going to happen in the game. 
by the way, Neon, right, obviously you can explain it in your own words, but like, how would you explain it? What is the situation for you after this split? Like, is there like an option where like they can potentially like keep you under contract or sign you again? Are you going to be a free agent? Do you know what the situation is? Um, well, is it I, just unknown? My, yeah, my contract is running out because Misfits is no longer in the LEC, right? So they're going to terminate my contract. Um, as for what happens with the next year, I have no idea. I mean, I hope I stay on the LEC, but I also know it's a possibility I don't because, like, uh, what if teams are like, oh, this guy has been here for so long, let's just flip it on a rookie because we're not going to win the league anyway. This is something I want to ask you about, actually, because that's one thing I want to ask. I actually think you've picked the best split ever to potentially be a free agent again. Like, I actually don't think that'll happen, dude. I think for real, like, as as you saw by how many people were voting you up on all the awards, even players and coaches, I think you will get a better team because I actually get the vibe. Here's the difference. If, if spring split was the last split you played, People might have done that thing they did there, like, oh, it's just because he's gotten the broken jinx. Jinx is too broken. Like, anyone could play off that. This split, I actually think you got your respect. Like, you even carried Lords of the Silver Games, mate, when that was supposed to be just like the counter, like, what, like the handshake. Like, oh, it's, it's not as bad. Like, you were doing great this split, man. Don't you think this is your best split ever? I mean, probably is, you know, but I, I just know that a lot of things can happen. And ultimately, I think I'm going to be happy wherever I am. And uh, I mean, personally, I want to stay. Uh, in the LEC, like one way or another, be it, be it fucking player or be it coach or fucking even caster, you know, like I don't care. I just want to like do League of Legends at the highest level, preferably playing because I love playing this game. And he's doing the Kedril speech again. Go on, keep going. Wait, did, did Kedril say that ever again? No, the joke is that's what he would say, isn't it? I want to be in the LEC. Look, if I can't be a player, can I at least be a coach or a bloody caster or something? <laughs> I'll even clean up the place, whatever. <laughs> no, the joke is that's what he could have said, couldn't he? Uh, yeah, just more, so... just more straight shots. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's the off season, and like, it's supposed to be stressful for some people. But I'm like, I feel quite good about my chances this year, right? So, I mean, ultimately, I have nothing but to wait and see what happens. Who knows? Maybe I'll come to an A and play some Seraphine for you guys. Yeah, what do you no, think, Dom? The... Surely he goes to a, he goes to a top LEC team now. Surely, right? Well, I mean, at least now because oh. the thing is, I I haven't had like a like you know I've I've done one show with Hansama. I, I don't like really talk to the guy, but at least since we've had him on two shows now, if we see Neon come to the LCS and then he just becomes an absolute pussy, like he no longer can carry late game, his positioning's okay. awful, he's getting caught left and right. At least we can ask him what the fuck happened. That's because true. That's the, yes, I don't know how it always true. goes wrong. Like you get yes. all these players where it's like, I have watched you for literally like four years out of my life. I've seen every single game you play. I know you backwards and forwards. You are this player. And then you come to NA. It's like, oh, that's not, that's not the same player at all. That's yes. just, that's somebody else. Like it's, People are so unrecognizable. At least with Neon's case, we could have some idea <laughs> what actually fucking happened. Like, yeah, I, I, will, I will keep a, I will keep a diary with my thoughts every day, and I will carefully put them all down, and then make a, like a movie go. about it. Yeah. So then we'll I see. Mean, what happens is you'll see like gradually how his mentality just like degrades. He stops believing in himself. Eventually, he's just like lock me in, Seraphine coach. Put me yeah. in the game. Like I know, just mental in it. No, I mean, it, it's actually, it's actually like sad. I mean, you, you, you go to the end of it and you're just going to see the final diary ent entry. It's like, well, I hope they leave Seraphine up because that's all that, that's left for me. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus, man, really? Like we, we have really fallen this far. 
One other thing I want to ask you in the yawn, because this actually is a big factor in what happens in the off-season. As much as people joke about all the poaching, like the real reason poaching will always exist is because pro players who are star players in big teams will always get asked by their team, like, who do you want to sign? Do you think we should sign this guy? And if they happen to have already been friends with that guy or know he's good or played with him, they're going to say sign him, obviously. So like, essentially, there's always a connection, right? So one of the reasons, like I said about that example before, about how even if Vitality was worse than Misfits, Vitality's going to get scrims that Misfits isn't, right? One of the factors that does play a big role in whether you get into the big teams usually is what your relationship is like with the big stars. So like one thing, it can go both ways. Either, like for in my opinion, that's why Kazi's in Vitality. I'd imagine Alfarian Perks just asked for him and said, this is the guy we want. We like him, want to play with him. So it doesn't matter if Opset's better than Kazi. In that scenario, Kazi gets the spot. So the question is this, there's two ways you can go. Either you're friends with him, so you get in the team that way. But the other one, this is what I want to ask you, just to check if we're safe here. The other problem is, if you've shit-talked the stars, that has the opposite effect. Now, even if they probably should sign you, yeah, maybe they don't, because remember that one thing. They remember that one little needle you put in when you were beating them in a solo queue. Exactly. Are you a flamer? Do you do it? Do you wreck people? I mean, okay, so like, after Vitality didn't make it to playoffs, I did BM perks a little bit on Twitter, with like him saying on stream how free misfits and whatnot. But ultimately, I mean... I believe that I'm I'm BMing someone who can take BM. I can take BM right now. Sure. So I, I think Perks is like the guy to joke around. Yeah, and be yeah. Able to take flames. So like, like I wouldn't BM someone who I think can't take it. You know. And no. if they hate me because I BM them, then so be it. You know. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, oh, I don't, but, okay. <laughs> True. All, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, uh, good luck in LFL next split because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are fucked. <laughs> Oh yeah, excellent. I mean, I think the hard thing is this, Thorin. Like, you start looking at it, and it's like, yeah, surely Neon should like go to to a team in LEC. It's a no brainer. If you're getting all pro second team, like you should just have a spot in the next split. The question is, when you start going down the roster, which one is actually going to take him? Like, if Fnatic has upset, and then G two has Flocky, and we've already talked about the fact that like he's probably pretty secure in his spot there. And then you look at Rogue with Comp, who's played really like pretty well. Um, you know, relatively young player by yeah, by yeah. LEC standards. You look at Mad with Unforgiven. It's like it starts to become like really hard to to find slots at LEC because most teams look like they're pretty content with the, the AD carries that they have. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 uh it's not an easy thing, right? Like there's a lot of competition knocking on the door every year. So it's just how it is, you know. Ultimately, like pro pro player careers are fairly short, so that's just the nature of it. And like all I can do is like. Hope that I secretly didn't fuck someone's mom's in the offseason or something. There's the thing, even though, as you say, I agree, if you look how the teams themselves would look at it, if I'm playing football manager, though, like, I don't give a fuck. I thought Unforgiven was the best rookie this split. I'd fucking trade Neon instantly for a start off. Neon can win team fights. That's the main flaw Unforgiven has. He's an AD carry who's largely that fucking godlike in team fight. Like, come on, mate. Like, that's an easy swap for me. I'd even swap out Flacken, like I said. I'd go for the upgrade there. What's the other one? XL's the other one. Look, I think Patrick's good, but, mate... People talk like he's neon, like he carries all these fights. So he carries some. He carries some. Even then, mate, if the back's against the wall, it's game five. Is Patrick going to fucking 1v9 the game? Probably not. I've seen, he, it. He's the player I've seen that it not every, happen a few times. He, he's the player that everyone just respects the fuck out of in Yeah, the he's EU. like the player's player for some reason, isn't he? Like, they all always big him up tons. Everyone yeah. thinks that Patrick is a fucking beast. I mean, even Neon said that he thought he was top three. Yeah, true. Like, every, I mean, yeah. everyone just thinks that that guy is a fucking beast. Cajal talks about... You know, when he played with him, how it was. And, you know, we pretty much have Patrick carry the game when we lose. So, I don't know. He's just the player's player. It's, it's really hard. Like, uh, when you go through all of the spots in LEC, then you even go to, like, the lower spots. And for some reason, 
like SK really just likes Jesu. Like they just really like Jesu. Or you'd think that a player like that, like if you know, you've been in there for four splits and you're like still okay, but you're not anything special, you'd think that you'd be looking to make a move. Seems like they hey, never want to be fair, we're only looking mainly at the playoffs. The obvious one is Vitality, by the way. Yeah, I'll do that move tomorrow if I was them. Yeah. Who the fuck wouldn't? That's it. Because part of their problem was the fucking bot lane. Like, I would swap that immediately, mate. And I even reckon, like, I, I, I don't know how much... Do you know Labrov well? I mean, you must have played with him a bunch in solo queue, right? Yeah, um, I don't know him well. I just think this... I mean, I know this guy individually is good, right, from solo queue. He's mechanically strong. Right? But, I feel uh, like you'd like to play with him. I mean, I would definitely like to play with him, but uh, I mean, I mean, ultimately, it's like we're trying to get Neon a job right now. Would you like to play with him? Yeah, oh, I mean, I think Greece is a great country too, there right? You go. Like, you exactly. just really yeah, like yeah, their their Greece. culture. You know, okay, we forgive him for all perfect. that stuff with the economy. Don't worry about it. It's a few years ago now. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Mate. I'm not going. I'm not going to Greece anyway. If I am, all right, this is why you don't him. have Thorn as your yeah, exactly. Agent. No, I, don't, I won't ever be agent. I'll, I'll, if anything, I have to actually propagandize against you. That gets your fans. If I hate <laughs> yeah. you. You'd have all the fans in the world, mate. I know. I have to defend you. <laughs>